I totally blew something. I wanted you to play that Emily Grace video right at the start. Let's go. Let's go and do it now because all right, I have a little story behind this. So, okay, you, <laughs> Emily, you, you start the story. I'll play it. All right. So Emily Grace, um, I I came across her her uh, Instagram the other day, and I followed her on Instagram, and she messaged me. She goes, "Holy cow! I can't believe you just followed me. I watch your show every, every every week. I can't wait for every episode to come out. The video she put out was hilarious, and I'm like. I'm like, she's, she's like excited. I followed her. She has like 16 or 17,000 Instagram followers. And I'm like, but she's, um, she's a, a, a traditional Catholic revert, I believe. And she had a, a late conversion, but she's a single mom and she's looking for a little, you know, she's trying to make ends meet and stuff. But this video made me laugh so hard. So Rob just popped it, 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 it was pretty funny. I remember when I was a little girl, the first time someone told me that these two lines on your forehead are called 11s and that women get Botox to make their 11s go away. But how else is the person that just told me their pronouns supposed to know that I think they're fucking stupid without my 11s? Riddle me this. So. so go follow Emily on Instagram, Emily Grace on Instagram. So I just wanted to throw her a little support. So, all right. So real quick, Rob and I had, um, we had a meeting with someone the other day that wanted to help us with our channel. And they told us that we're terrible at doing our little, our little griff thing. <laughs> like yeah, we never, they so said we were pretty bad. We were terrible about it, but everybody please like, and subscribe. We have a locals channel that we are going to do something very big very soon. Please go join our locals. And then the other thing we wanted to talk about real quick is we have uh, on Apple Podcasts, everybody leaves reviews. But we do something a little different with those reviews. What we want you to do is leave the most horrific review you can, but make sure you give us five stars. So, Rob, pull a couple of the funny ones up. Like, it doesn't have to be just be bad. It has to be funny. But you could okay, trash us on. on the review as long as you give us five stars. Like, this okay. is a funny one. Why don't you introduce our guest while I pull these up? Okay. So, and then the other thing is. Or just keep going. How I, how Keith and I first started to interact was I came across a video of Keith talking about Sola Scriptura. And that next night, me and Rob were on air and I did a, <laughs> we put a clip up. And I said, the argument for Sola Scriptura you've never heard. And in it, when you played the video, it was just me saying, why do all these Catholics watch videos about Sola Scriptura? And they all have 60,000 views, and I don't understand it. And Keith saw the video, and he goes, uh, I think I just, I'm like, okay, well, yours is the video that I saw. So that was mine and Keith's first interaction. And since then, we've gotten to know each other a little bit. I spent the entire day today, and really this, this whole past couple of days just checking out your channel, Keith. I like to get to know the person I'm about to interview. And I listened to your conversion story today and I was literally in tears, man. You have a, a oh, beautiful man. conversion story. Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So like a little bit of the conversation you and I've been having is just like, I, I, I feel like the, the trad world and the faithful Catholic, maybe a little more leaning Novus Ordo or more. I just feel like those two worlds don't, talk much and i assumed you were in that world and then you started talking, like no i go to the traditional at mass you're actually bringing a friend into the traditional mass uh next week right you're bringing your uh yeah he's a he's a uh, reformed pastor <laughs> oh, and it's gonna be his first time going right yeah he he um he was i've been friends with this guy for 30 years and when i became catholic he was like one of the people i was terrified to tell 
because yeah. we've been like brothers in the faith for all these years. And he's way smarter than I am about, about the Bible and about theology. And I remember when he became a Calvinist and I was like, what is up with this guy? And he started just kind of asking me questions about the faith and things. And, and I thought he was sort of like trolling me, like preparing me to destroy me. And he was like, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I watched your videos and I said, you should just come to mass with me sometime. So he's like, I'll be there. So he drove a couple hours. We went to a daily mass at the, at um, a Novus Ordo at our, our daily mass. And he had never been to mass for him. We had a great conversation, introduced him to our priest. And then, you know, found out they're all still talking. Well, then he's like, Hey, I want to, I know you go to the Latin mass. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'd like to come to that. So he's coming with me um, next Next uh, Wednesday, um, to, for the Feast of the Assumption, he's coming wow. to our to our TLM, and he's bringing another Reformed pastor friend with him. That's so crazy! How did he even hear about a traditional Latin mass? Is it from your channel? Probably, yeah. Man, it's so it's so funny. Like, but really, me and you were talking. Just like we kind of want everybody to like lower the temp. So we have Trent Horn coming on on Tuesday, and I think Trent's probably fits that bill a little bit more than you. Where. Um, well, he doesn't go. To, he doesn't go to the Novus Ordo. Oh no! Oh my God, yeah, he he's a Eastern right. He's right? an Eastern right Catholic. Oh, he's Eastern right. Okay, yeah. but even still, he's very much in that world. And Maybe I feel he like does a, go, but I know he's yeah. you know. And I go to the Novus Ordo for like my daily mass, but I go yeah. you know. Um, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, I think that like we need to open up the conversation between like I I feel like trads are just cutting themselves off and ostracizing themselves by the way they talk, and it's like. It's like, guys, like we're, we're all Catholic and I want to make sure that this dialogue stays open between everybody because I see people just breaking off into tribes and Catholicism and it's really, it makes me nervous. I don't like it. I hate the idea of tribalism. Like we're Catholic, man. We're the universal church. Like the, there has to be ways for us to talk to each other. hundred percent. You know, I, I, I have wrestled with that, with those labels because like when I became Catholic, I didn't know anything about the liturgy wars. I didn't even yeah. know there was a Latin mass, right? I, I came into the church. I was blown away by the beauty of the mass. Um, I, I go to an amazing parish that has a very reverent Novus Ordo. And I didn't even know that there was anything other than that, to be honest with you. And when I attended my first Latin mass, the only reason why I did was because my wife had gone um, Based on the, the schedule, I was traveling and she had to go early in the morning and our, ours was at 7 a.m. So she went and then she I was talking to her later. She's like, oh, I went to the Latin mass. And I'm like, OK, well, what's that like? She's like, it was incredible. I think you would really like it. I'm like, OK, let's give it a try. And like within 30 seconds of walking into the church, I was like, whoa, there's a different yeah. vibe here. And and I was never like a guy who hated the Novus Ordo. I do hate the goofy hymns yeah. and I hate like like lame folk music in church stuff like which our church doesn't really do that but I, I i'm not i'm not that guy <clears throat> so when when um i mean to me it's either got to be like gregorian chant or like you know extreme death metal then i'm, yeah. I'm into that, right? <laughs> that's so funny so, so like i'm totally like extremes <laughs> on either way so Rob's when, as soon as the gregorian chant comes on or comes on i i was just like wow and Boom. Right from there is when we were just like, okay, we love this. And then at adoration one night, um, my wife and I, we just grabbed the red book that was available that has all, you know, the missile. Yeah. And we started reading because I didn't know, 
I didn't, I didn't want to miss anything. So I wasn't really like reading the missile. I was just watching and trying to participate what I could and learn. But then one night we just started reading the missile together and it was like, whoa, this, this, what is happening here is so incredible. And I just fell in love with it, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's funny because I watched one of your videos today talking about how do we bring men back to the church, right? Yeah. And so much of, I mean, all the young men I'm seeing at church are looking for something a li- like a, a more masculine liturgy. And it just kind of feels that way, right? Like it just feels like a more masculine liturgy in ways because it's, I think a lot of, I think the biggest issue with the Novus Ordo is so many of those parishes are run by well-meaning women. Like women that want to help and, and, and like they, they they're not doing it to undermine the church and stuff. They want to help. Like these are women that had, that really love God. And they're like, how can I help? And by them coming in, it it makes like, it's like when you see, when you see altar girls, nothing will make a boy not want to be an altar boy less than seeing altar girls. there. Like it's, there's something that turns a boy off from wanting to participate in that when there's girls also in that spot. Well, I, I think, you know, you're, you're kind of talking like what are the, some of the things I said in that video? I don't, and here's why, here's why I love the traditional Latin mass in this context of talking about how to attract men. And it, it isn't that, it isn't that we've said, Hey, or the Latin mass said, Hey, we've got to make a masculine liturgy. It's, it's that it's the fact that traditional liturgy transcends gender and masculine or yeah. feminine. It's just pure. And yeah. it doesn't import those, those things from the culture that tend to be more feminine or masculine, because I've been also in those situations where, when I was a Protestant, where, I mean, we had, we didn't, we had different rules back then. So we could say things like, Hey, um, I want to have a more masculine worship environment. And I went to a church one time for their men's conference where they had a Dodge Viper up on the stage, you know, and, <laughs> that's their idea of masculinity. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay. So for, for us to go masculine now means we all have to be like a certain type of what that means. And it's usually right. some kind of cultural thing. So, yeah. for, so we, we tend to, okay, we're going to be masculine. So now we have to be hard and tough and everybody has to have beards and guns and, and all, and hunt and all that, which is yeah. all stuff I like. Right. But, <laughs> but there's a lot of men out there. Like if you think about like some of the traditional guys that you see on Twitter or on social media that are traditional Catholics, they're not all like those, you know, masculine men like that. A lot of them are like super intellectual theology nerds. Yeah. But you they would never feel comfortable in a uh anything that looked remotely feminine. So we don't yeah. we don't have to pigeonhole people into these categories. We just have to worship God in purity and spirit and truth with the with the liturgy that has been given to us before all this cultural masculine feminine stuff. And then we're golden. We just got to stick with that. Yeah. So, all right. So I want to go back to your conversion story, but Rob, read a couple of the, uh, just to give people an an idea of what we want to do with the Apple reviews, because we want to try to get five-star reviews, but we want you guys to see what people were doing. So, so three of them are actually like legitimate and, uh, genuine. Like they really do like like us actually, Yeah, but they're not fun. So we'll skip those. Um, So, uh, custody of the eyes. How about custody of the ears after listening to this hot garbage? <laughs> Worse, watch the show on YouTube and you have to do both. Do yourself a favor and don't waste your time. Five stars. Five stars. That's <laughs> like that's what we're looking for, guys, because the five stars will get you boosted in the algorithm, but you can trash us. Next one is train wreck, right? Yeah. I don't even know why I watch this. It's just the knockoff pints with Aquinas. 
They spend half their time harassing Catholic celebs to come on what is a sorry <laughs> excuse of a trivia show. That's an old one because we haven't done trivia for a while. Yeah, we're bringing trivia back. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's basically great. That's basically what we want you guys to do. We want you to go in there, say something to trash us, be funny about it, but just make sure you leave five stars. And the famous Susan us. from the parish council. Yeah, let's. All right, so rigid, but with good music. Okay, so our trivia show, I always opened with the cheesiest Novus Ordo song. Like we would play Gather Us In, or we would just to drive people nuts, we would always play one of those horrible hymns. So this is Susan from the Parish Council, rigid but with good music taste. These strapping young men in the are in schism with the new springtime of Vatican II. They ask trivia questions about the old, dusty, rigid Latin mass, but not a single question about Thomas Merton, Catholic yoga, centering prayer, prayer labyrinths, or liturgical dancing. At least they know and appreciate good Catholic hymns. The music, the good-looking Italian man plays at the beginning of the episodes. It really gets the spirit of Vatican II moving in my soul. So that's what we're going to ask you guys to do. Be a little sarcastic in it, but just make sure you leave five stars. So, all right, now, Keith, you spent 22 years as a Protestant pastor, right? Yeah, in one form or another. So most of my time was in youth ministry. Um, but I also had some time as a senior pastor and a kind of associate pastor missions, but I've done a lot of things in, in, uh, in churches. Um, so yeah, 22 years, I was, I was full-time ministry. In what, what denomination? Mostly United Methodist, okay. mostly United Methodist, which in which I was raised. So my dad is a retired United Methodist pastor. So I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. Okay, um, but so, I did I did have some stints in uh, an Assemblies of God church and an Evangelical Free Church. So all right, so you I think you came in in 2017, right? Yeah, October 8th. Uh, are your parents still with us? Uh, my mom has passed away, but my dad is still living. Um, so yeah, there's how he's how did around. he react as a as a as a pa- as a pre a retired pastor to his son looking toward Rome? Um, you know, I think he was kind of like, all right, Keith, whatever, you know, um, he was more, he was more worried about just my life than, than, you know, whether or not I became Catholic. So we, we did have a lot of conversations about, about all of that. And we've had, we've had some conversations since It, it was never really like contentious with, with my dad. Um, although we, we've had some interesting conversations about it since then, but it it was okay. So like, okay. So listening to your story today, um, I was really listening and I'm saying, why is it that we're so, especially as Catholics, we love a Protestant to Catholic conversion story. Yeah. And it's like, what, what is the fascination as a Catholic with a Protestant? And I really think it's because it's a heavy price you pay as a Protestant to leave because I mean, Protestants love the scripture they love the lord and they usually have these really tight-knit communities where they have like really i mean catholics could learn something from it i mean where they they have really good communities together and when one of their own starts looking towards rome you you know they're really leaving probably everything their family their friends everything you were married already though like you married was she your high school sweetheart you, you got married young right i got married young but she was not my high school sweetheart i met, I met her i moved up to philadelphia um when I was like 19 to play drums in a band and I met my wife while I was out there. Um, so we, we got married. I was 22. She was 20 when we got married. Yeah. I was about to say I was 22 when I got married too. So, yeah. but this is in the nineties, right? So you guys are 
Protestant for years. Oh, yeah. And she was Catholic. Like, she was raised Catholic in Philadelphia, went to Catholic school, all that. And when I met her, I basically pulled her out of, I mean, she was, she didn't practice the faith. Yeah. So it was kind of, you know, when I met her, I was like, wow, she's, she's, you know, I would love to date this girl, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to date a Christian. I was going to a Calvary Chapel Bible church. I was like super into my faith at the time. And so I said to her, I said, you know, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? And she said, well, I'm Catholic. Does that count? And I said, <laughs> and I said no. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't count at all. Um, she goes, well, I don't really go. I just, I just am. And I said, yeah. well, come with, come with me to my, my church. It's awesome. And you know, the church I went to in Philly was like this huge mega church with like thousands of people and an awesome band and a pastor who wore a Hawaiian t-shirt and, and he preached th through the books of the Bible for like an hour and a half were his sermons. And they were amazing. Like I just couldn't get enough. It was so awesome. And the first night she was there, she looks at me and she was like, she was like, this is incredible. I, I've been missing this my whole life. Thank you for bringing me here. I've never heard this before. And I was like, sweet, you know? So then I became a, then I became a pastor, a youth pastor and moved back to Iowa where I'm from. And I talked her into, to, um, joining me and we got married and, you know, all, so we've started our ministry together, but she had that baggage from being Catholic and, you know, so I was like, <laughs> Forget yeah. that. So, so you actually, this was your career though, right? Like you didn't have an, like you don't, you didn't have another career. Like you, this was, you had a what? ministry and you, pro, you pro, 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 provided for your family through Protestant ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's, it's amazing how you can see like a woman really will follow her husband's, especially if it's a godly man and he has integrity and stuff like a woman will naturally follow a good man. And she followed you there. So, okay. So now this is, I mean, you guys were married, what, like 96, you said? We got married in 96, correct. Okay, yeah. so 96, now you got, you have a, you have a ministry, you're, uh, you, uh, you have, so are you like the head pastor at any point, or are you mainly just, um, mainly stick with I, the I, not for a long time, so I was, so in, so in 96, I, I came back to Iowa to be a youth pastor, okay, yeah. and I was like, okay, I, I was, at that time, I was a college dropout because I dropped out of college to go play drums in this band because that was my big dream in life was to be in a band, right? So I had this opportunity to go to Philly to, to do that. So I sort of had a conversion out of that to get back involved in my faith. And then it was like this opportunity to be in ministry uh, came to me. So I just quit the band, went to Iowa to be a youth pastor. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so at that point in time, I hadn't been to school or done anything like that for, for anything. So I went to college and, and, um, did some time in seminary and was like trying to discern what is my role going to, what is my path going to be? So we started this little youth group in this church of about 250 people. So not a very big church, little neighborhood Methodist church. The first night we were there, we had like, um, 12 kids that came to our youth group. And so we just kind of started trying to figure it out. Well, so I'm going back to school. I'm driving up to Dubuque, Iowa, and I'm going to school, learning, learning stuff, trying to figure this out. In the meantime, get married, start having kids. And our little youth group starts to blow up. And within a couple of years, we had like 300 kids coming every Wednesday night. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so now our church is starting to grow. Yeah. And I'm kind of hitting this crossroads where I'm I'm in seminary, I'm training for ministry. I'm like, okay, I'm going to become because my my kind of career path was going to be, I will eventually, you know, get ordained and do all that stuff and become like a senior pastor or whatever. Well, 
I had, I had finished all of my undergrad degree. I'm in, I'm in seminary. And I got to this point where, um, I had to make a decision. Was I going to continue in, in that regard and like quit my job and, and go into trying to become like a full-time senior pastor, or was I going to stay in youth ministry? And I decided to stay in youth ministry because this youth group was just exploding. And so, and I was already starting to feel a little uncomfortable in my denomination, right? Because I was, you know, I came from this Calvary Chapel, this Bible church, pretty, you know, evangelical kind of conservative theological framework. And the Methodist church was already sort of starting to go cuckoo back then. Yeah. So I was already sort of a renegade in that world, along with my senior pastor, who's to this day, still my best friend. Right. Um, and we were sort of like on the outside of all that denominational craziness, but meanwhile, our church is blowing up. Yeah. So I didn't become like an actual senior pastor until I left that church. And then that was, that was kind of later. So I kind of floated around from different things. Um, and then I went back into youth ministry at the last job I was in, in the Methodist church and associate pastor type stuff before I became Catholic. So I know it's kind of like boring stuff for people, but no, 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 it's not. It's, it's, it's kind of weird, you know? So, so like, all right. So you, so this, so you're getting into like the tooth that when do you start feeling like what even piques your interest to Catholicism? Like what even yeah. like draws you towards it? Well, right around 99, maybe, no, maybe even, maybe even earlier around 97, 98. Um, as my youth group starting to grow, I, uh, was looking for a logo for my youth ministry. And, you know, but this is before the internet's really a thing. This is before websites are a thing. <clears throat> I look in the yellow pages and I find a designer. I call up cause I didn't want to have like a seventh grader do my logo. Right. Yeah. And cause we were going to be legit, man. We needed like stickers <laughs> and t-shirts and we were going to be like, cool. Like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I called this guy and, um, he was a designer. And when I talked to him on the phone, I just felt like, okay, this guy, he had, I could tell he had a lot of energy and he was, he was fired up. His name is Devin Schott. And so he, he invited me over to his house. He said, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out with your youth ministry stuff. Um, come over to my house and, and I'll show you some ideas. So I remember it was like my anniversary. I think it was my first or second anniversary, wedding anniversary. I told my wife, and stuff, I'll be Dangerous. back in about 20 minutes. I just got to go over to this guy's house, look at these logos and we'll, then we'll hang out. So I go over to his house and as I'm walking up to his, his doorstep, he's got these statues on his, on his steps. Yeah. Virgin Mary, yeah. St. Joseph, some Pagan dude with Catholics. a parakeet on his shoulder. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I go into his house. I knock on the door. He opens the door. He lets me in. And I instantly like him because he was shorter than me. So I know, I, I know on camera, I look like I'm six foot three, but I'm really like five, six. I'm short. And um, really you're yeah. that you're five, you're like six? Anthony's height. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, Wait, the other the other thing I want to say is your birthday. You just turned forty nine the other day, yeah. and I'm I'm really wanting to know how you have such a nice full head of hair because <laughs> I'm sitting out and I'm like nine years younger than you, and I'm like, well, this man has beautiful. I don't know, hair. man. I tell you what, I would trade it for about five inches of height. But um, <laughs> so it's funny because people will come up to me at events and stuff, and they'll, they'll always be like, "Oh, you're short." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> what gave it away sherlock you know or they'll be like you're rude yeah they're like you're and i actually had this happen to me one time this woman come up to me and she was like she she was uh she said to me this wasn't a church thing but she said to me oh you're you're a lot shorter than i envisioned you and i said well you're a lot or she said i, th I thought you would be taller and i said i yeah. thought you would be thinner <laughs> that's, that's sick <laughs> 
Don't do that. Whoa. Yeah. Anthony's likely short, but he likes to tell tall tales. That's a, that's a fair analysis. I'll say that. <laughs> and anyway, let me let me let me get us back on track here. Yeah, yeah please. Um, um, so I met this guy. He invites me into his house. There's icons, statues everywhere, and I'm like instantly I feel like I'm in the Sistine Chapel or something. He sits me down and he starts showing me these logo ideas. And and he, the guy's super talented, right? I'm I'm blown away. And he's talking like he's excited about my ministry or whatever and about Jesus. And my first thought was, okay, well, maybe, maybe this guy isn't Catholic. Like maybe somebody in his family is or something. I don't know. So I said to him, I said, are you, are you a believer in Christ? Do you love Jesus? He said, yes, I love Jesus. And I said, okay, well, what's with all this Catholic stuff? Who's, you know, is this <laughs> and he goes, oh yeah. He says, I, I'm, I'm Catholic because I love Jesus. I'm on fire for the Lord and I'm, I'm Catholic. And I'd never met anybody like that before. Yeah. The Catholics I knew didn't even admit they were Catholic, or if they did, they didn't know anything about their, their, you know, they didn't know anything about their faith. They didn't know anything about the Bible. They didn't, they well, weren't. The, well, this know. was during the new springtime, Keith. I mean, <laughs> this is, <laughs> I didn't get that this memo. Is, this was the new Pentecost. I can't believe that you're having this encounter with Catholics. <laughs> well, maybe if when I walked in, you know, he, he played like one of those goofy hymns, I would have instantly felt the Holy spirit. But <laughs> so then my next thought was this, and this is the God's honest truth. I thought to myself, um, well, if he's really Catholic and he loves Jesus, I can convert him yeah. and he will be, I can make him be like a volunteer in my youth ministry because I did that almost every week. I mean, most of the people joining our church okay. were ex Catholics and most of the kids coming to my youth group were coming over from CCD class after Catholics on Wednesday night. And they're like, Oh, we had to go to the boring Catholic stuff. Now we can come here where we have a rock band, pyrotechnics, and, yeah. you know, video games. Wednesday so, night CCD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I started asking him questions, thinking, okay, well, I'm going to convert this guy. But when I started asking him questions, he had all these answers for me. And he kind of turned the tables on me pretty quickly. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. So I'd never met a Catholic before who challenged me in my Protestantism and wanted to open the Bible and said, well, let's look, let's open up the Bible to the gospel of John chapter six. Let's talk about this. And wow. I was like, you don't get to do that to me. What are you talking about? Um, I didn't know you Catholics even knew what the Bible was. Right. Um, so that friendship began. And that night he handed me Scott Hahn's conversion story and said, go home and watch this. Oh, once uh, once you watch <laughs> once you watch the Scott Hahn conversion, we were just talking about this last night because even as a Catholic, when you watch the Scott Hahn conversion tape, it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh wait a minute, the Bible's ours. I didn't know that because you don't learn this stuff as a Catholic growing yeah. up, and it like it really is a, a funny thing. Like the Protestant converts of the 80s and 90s, I will always have such a love for the Scott Hans, Jeff Cavins, um, uh, all those guys. Like those guys literally taught me my faith, listening to their stories, listening to those Lighthouse Catholic media talks and all that stuff. I'll always love those guys. I don't care how divided the church ever gets. I'll always love them. So so you hear Scott Hans' conversion tape. How does that affect you? I was, I was, and, and literally to, to let you guys know, it was a tape. It was a VHS, right? Yeah. And I was blown away, but I kept thinking to myself, okay, this is really fascinating and interesting, but this can't be right. This can't be true. So then I would go up to my seminary professors and I would start grilling them on things that Scott had said or that Devin had said. Um, and 
I would be like, all right, I, all I have to do is find the right thing to say and I can convert this Devin guy and he can become Catholic. So it's going to be a little bit tougher than I thought, but I can still do it. I was completely convinced of that. Yeah. And every time I brought up a, a question or an objection or an argument to my seminary professors or whatever, they did not have a, a, a sufficient answer to me. And I remember I asked my new, my old Testament pro- professor who was a, who was um, a very brilliant woman. I asked her cause the new Testament guy was gone that day. So I asked her about Matthew 16, you know, where Jesus gives Peter the keys. Yeah. And I said, well, okay. I'm talking to these Catholic people. I'm, I'm reading these Catholic books. Tell me, tell me the, the, the rebuttal here. Why do we believe that, you know, what do we believe about this? And she's like, well, we believe that's about Peter's faith. And I said, okay, I know that. Why do we believe that? And she said, well, because we're Protestants. And I'm like, that's you got to do better. You got to do better than that. And then she just kind of laughed. And that was it. I can't, And that's the kind of thing that kept happening to me, you guys. Like every time I would try to find a way to, you know, stick it to the man over here in Rome, I got my clock cleaned when it came yeah. to these, to these things. So here's what started happening to me. I'm starting to become more convinced that there's more to this. And I'm starting to get drawn in to some of these experiences because here's the other thing that was happening was I was starting to see Catholicism, not just as this set of doctrines or beliefs, but I was starting to see it lived out in the life of my friend and his family. And I always tell people that is way more powerful than, well, what's the argument I can give them? Yeah. You're the argument. Living mm-hmm. out the Catholic faith in, devo- in devotion and joy and faithfulness, that is a way better argument than anything that you're going to get in a track or whatever. Okay, Those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But for every talking point that we have as Catholics, James White has a counterpoint Okay, yeah. and guys like him. But what nobody has a counterpoint for is the spirituality and the experience of seeing the Catholic faith lived out to its fullest. Nothing, and I'm convinced of this because I've been in both places, nothing in Protestantism can touch that. That's why I'm so big on telling Catholics, look, just be Catholic. Don't apologize. Don't be medium. Be full in. Be passionate. Be excited. That's how you become an apologist and an evangelist. But we're like so lame with this. It makes me crazy. (laughs) So I married a Protestant. My my wife was Lutheran when we got married. And my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law are Lutheran. And they've seen how I'm raising my family. And they've been asking all these questions for the past few months. And my brother-in-law finally got to a point where he was like, hey, like every time we're together, we're we're always around other people. Is there any way like we could like, like I want to, I want to learn some of this stuff. So we're doing a a trip next weekend, just my family and his family and me and him. Like when I tell you, he has like such a surface level understanding of the Christian story and I'm going away with them because he really sees the way I'm raising my family, thinks it's beautiful and he wants to be able to hand it on to his kids and he doesn't even know how to teach his kids the basics. Like they don't even know the father, nothing. So we're going to go on a trip together, the two families, and I'm going to finally get a chance to really sit down with him and and just kind of explain some things. So, I mean, you're a hundred percent right. Like the witness of you raising your family Catholic and actually making the sign of the cross at a restaurant and saying you're, you know, saying grace before dinner, those little things really do have a big effect. Oh, mm-hmm. they absolutely do. 
So I was starting to see this happen. He would invite me to stuff. I remember once he took me to hear Tim Staples give a talk, right? This was like, this was, you know, 1999 or something like that. And Tim was like super fiery. And I, I, and I related to that. Well, then he invites me to go meet this guy for lunch one day. And I'm like, okay. So we go into this restaurant. And this, this guy who's much bigger than me, which isn't saying much, but he's, he's kind of a bigger dude. He comes in and we're sitting down at this Chinese restaurant. He makes a sign of the cross. I'm like, all right, I'm outnumbered here. And then he says to me, Keith, my daughter goes to your youth group on Wednesday nights. And now I'm thinking, oh, great. He brought me here to chastise me for corrupting his Catholic daughter with my, you know, irreverent Protestant youth ministry. And then he said to me, and I just want to thank you because she comes home on Wednesday nights from your youth group so fired up about her faith, so fired up about the Bible. We haven't been able to get her to really care about her faith in any way that we've seen since she's been going to your church. So he said, I just want to thank you. And as part of my gratitude, I would like to invite you on an all expenses paid trip with a group of us. And Devin's coming too, and we're going to go to Rome. And we're going to go to a place called Medjugorje. Wow. And so wait, well, what year is this? What year is this? Uh, probably 2001, maybe. Okay. Something so like that. We're going to get into Medjugorje a little because yeah. I have such a deep, a deep connection with Medjugorje too. And I know it's a controversial topic. Everybody just chill out. Let us, let us <laughs> get into it a little. You have to understand that God works in ways that is outside of the box that you think he's going to work. And so I want to hear about this Medjugorje. Trail. Well, your, your five-star reviews are getting lit up right now. Um, (laughs) it's it's that hot button issue that people always like medjugorje is bad well i didn't know anything about i didn't know anything about medjugorje right so you're a protestant and you get invited there so i want to hear about your experience there so i you know i I got on this bus with a bunch of catholics it was like 30 people going on this pilgrimage and a priest and then me and um oh hey linda how's linda doing i know linda hernandez she's 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 awesome um and i i learned two things on that trip about catholics Number one, Catholics love to party. I'd never okay. seen anybody have that much fun on a church trip before as I had with this group of people. They were having the time of their lives. It was so funny. Um, and I also learned that Catholics love to pray. And, yeah. and this is, again, where I saw that experience of the Catholic faith lived out. In Medjugorje, I mean, you're going to see, whatever you think about the apparitions or whatever over Medjugorje, you are going to see some on fire Catholics loving Jesus and loving them some Mary and praying. You're going to yeah. see it 24 seven. It's in your face. And that, that really like impacted me because I'd never seen anything like that, especially revolved around Catholicism, just the way that people were so excited to pray and to learn and to practice their faith and how devoted they were and how united they were it was so beautiful. And I got I mean, home you're, from that you're trip. there. You're yeah. there on a pilgrimage, right? So you're, yeah. you're going and you're doing very Catholic things. Like whether the, app, whether the apparitions are legit or not, you're around, you're, uh, you're surrounded by thousands of Catholics. You're staying in a hostel, I imagine, right? Like you're probably staying at a hostel with like a like, bed and breakfast. Like a, like a dormito- dormitory style hostel. Yeah. 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 So it's like, and you're just sitting with other Catholics. There's confession everywhere. There's praying everywhere. There's adoration everywhere. There's mass everywhere. Like whether the apparitions are legit or not, like God's spirit is, is there, right? Like, I mean, I would think that's a fair assessment. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I've been there twice. 
So I don't really, you know, I don't pass judgments on the apparitions because I leave that to the church. But yeah. I mean, I have my own opinion about about things. But I like all I know is I saw I, I had this incredible experience while I was over there. And when I came back, I was I was like, OK, I'm not really sure what to do with this. You know, I got to remember at this point in time. Um, my wife did not go with me on oh, this. So your wife doesn't go with you. You go alone. Right. So wait, are you telling your wife any of these experiences you're having or are you you're just is, keeping this from her? This is very important that you understand what was going on because this comes into play. She had no idea that I was having my heart softened to Catholicism. She just, she just thought I was kind of, you know, trying to evangelize my friend Devin and, you know, was just devoted to my youth ministry. So, but, but what was happening? Cause I was terrified that what if I, you know, fall in love with Catholicism, what am I going to do? Cause you got to remember at this time, I'm like mid twenties. I've got three little kids. I've got a, I've got a rock and roll youth group. That's blowing up. I, I I'm pretty full of myself at this point yeah. in my life when it comes to ministry. Right. I, I had a lot of people telling me how amazing I was and, telling me how, you know, I was going to be this big time pastor someday. Yeah, and I was a rock star. I, yeah, I was a rock star. You know, yeah. there was a lot of that going on. So I had a lot of pride around, around what I was doing. Yeah. But at the same time in my heart, there were these, there were this, this, these cracks that were happening with, with regard to, to Catholicism. And I remember we, we did like, we were really big into church camp and, and, um, we were having our church camp, I think the next summer and our, one of the pastors that was there, we were having our serve, our worship service and he was getting ready to do communion. And he, and he came to the point in the communion service where he was kind of walking through the liturgy part. And he said, and Jesus took bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this represents my body. <laughs> and <laughs> I think at that said. time he was like literally holding like, like a cup of grape soda and a Doritos, you know? <laughs> and, or something. I don't know. But I mean, this is at a church camp. This is that. I mean, all you guys freaking out about World Youth Day, you got nothing on Protestant church camp communion. OK, yeah. so I mean, <laughs> extremely, extremely not Catholic. OK, and the Holy Spirit just blasted me in that moment. And I felt the Lord just speak to me and saying, Keith, you know, that's not what I said. And I walked out of there. And I just lost it. I was crying. Yeah. And I called, I called my friend Devin on the phone and I was like, dude, this I is after Medjugorje. Yes. Yes. This, this is, is like after. So, you, so you, so you're in Medjugorje. You see adoration going on. You probably sat before the blessed sacrament. Oh, I did. hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay. So you, okay. All right. That's, that's crazy. Okay. I mean, so when I was in Medjugorje, the first, like I saw some of the miracles that happened over there. I don't like stare at the sun when I'm over there. I think that's kind of dumb, but like, I saw the statue that has the, the tears coming out of the knee. It weeps. Yeah. Like I literally saw that. I stood in front of that yeah. for hours. And like, I'm like, I don't believe this. Like what's yeah, going my on? Da like, my dad's rosary turned gold. So he had a yeah. rosary from when he was a kid with silver links. He went there. His rosary turned gold. They, the, some of the pictures they took of the clouds, you see Jesus's face. And the, things are happening there. We it, <laughs> just, it's a, it's an experience. That's all. Well, so, I mean, anyway, so, so I have this, so I, I call him and I'm like, I think, I think God's calling me to become Catholic. And I'm terrified. Yeah. And he's, I, I was preparing for him to be like, ah, I knew it. I was yeah. right. You're wrong. Cause we used to get in fights. Like we would come to blows with each other. Like there was one point in Mejigorio, we were getting in a fight. We were nose to nose that the cops came and, and 
you know, had to pull us apart. I mean, it was, it was, we were two prideful idiots. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but also being men and you're allowed to do we that were. as men and spar a little bit and still love each other. I we, love We that. were. And, and we I want to meet yeah. him. I want to talk to him. That's so well, funny. You, you listen to those lighthouse DVDs uh, or talks. He has a very popular one. Um, I'll, I'll connect you with Devin. He's amazing. He'll blow your mind. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to want to talk to him. So in the 50 feet from where I was standing to back up to the camp lodge, after I had just bawled my eyes out to my friend Devin and told him that I was feeling called to become Catholic, I'm walking back up to the campground, to the, to the lodge. And I walk inside and all these kids are in there having a worship service. Mm-hmm. And there's my wife with my little baby girl daughter who was like four at the time. And my, I had, you know, my other son who was like three and then our son in a, in a stroller. And there's my beautiful wife just singing songs and worshiping. And and it was like this voice in my head said, you're really going to blow all this up to become Catholic. You're going to destroy your family and look at all these kids in this room that look to you as their spiritual leader. You're, you're going to abandon them. And yeah, that's a, that's a real thing, right? It's not, it's not, it's like, it's almost like you, you, it's like, I'm being selfish by, by abandoning these kids. Those kids depend on you. And, the, I, and I, you've I, lit how many hearts on fire for Jesus. You have Catholics coming over and saying, thank you. Yeah. So, so like, <clears throat> I really felt like it was the voice of the devil <laughs> saying, Keith, you, you can't do that. What else are you going to do with your life? You know, you have no other skills. You won't, you know, I wasn't a rich man at all, but I was like, how am I going to provide for my family? Like, anyway, so here's the bottom line, because I'm kind of dragging this out. I I totally chickened out. Yeah. And I was like, nope, not doing this. What year was that? Like I said, 2000, 2001. Oh, was that early Maybe 2002. Maybe that would probably have been 2002 or 2003, I think, is when that happened. Because I think I went to Medjugorje in 2000 or 2001. So it was like a year after that, maybe two years. <clears throat> it's kind of a blur. But basically at that moment in time, I shut the door. I stopped talking to my Catholic friends. I turned around and I ran as far away from that as I possibly could. So you stopped talking to Devin? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, I basically, because I was, I was kind of embarrassed because I basically told him, yeah, you're right. I got to become Catholic. And then now I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So I, I just couldn't face him. You, it's kind of like Adam hiding in the garden. Like you just don't yes. want to deal with it. It's like, I just don't want to, I don't want to face it. Like, no, 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 I'm hiding. <laughs> I'm naked Lord. Don't look. And I will tell you guys like the next few years after that life got really, really dark for me. Yeah. Because I was, I was, I was so full of pride in terms of what I was doing in ministry but I knew in the bottom of my heart that something wasn't right. And I felt kind of like a fraud, you know? Yeah. And eventually my youth ministry started to, to dwindle, started to tank a little bit. And I just had like a complete spiritual nervous breakdown. And I like totally fell apart. I went through a major crash in my life. I went through a major depression. I almost lost my marriage. I left ministry. I completely had this rock bottom experience. Like you're, you know, you're, you're the the friend you were telling me about earlier. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to live anymore. It was, it was, 
it was rough, you know, and I, I had Jeez, to get I to relate. A- I relate to that yeah. so much because mm-hmm. I had an experience like that when I left the sacraments in 2015 and there was a two year period where I left the sacraments totally. Oh yeah. My marriage fell apart. Everything. Like I, I relate to that so much. I remember hitting that, like my life was just a mess and I'm like, what is going on? So go ahead. Yeah. I, I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. That's a, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so I, I had to come to a place with Jesus and I think this is very important for all of us to understand. This isn't just about people who are in ministry or whatever. I had bought into this lie that I only mattered to Jesus because I could do some stuff for him. You know, that the things I did made me what was important to Jesus. I think a lot of Catholics fall for that lie too, you guys. Yeah. Because a lot of Catholics believe Jesus will love me more if I do X, Y, Z. And sometimes we can get so connected to the things that we do in our faith that we feel like Jesus doesn't love us for who we are. He only loves us for what we do. And that really hit me like a ton of bricks. I had to get to a point where I said, I'm just done with ministry. God, if you love me, you're just going to have to love me for being Keith, not for anything I can do because I'm a failure. And you know what, you guys? He really did. He really did. And it's, it's funny how he used Catholicism in the middle of that. Because I quit my job in, in, in ministry. I went to work. Uh, my whole family, we moved out to a boy's ranch and we took care of like troubled teenage boys and we became farmers. We milked cows. We did all this crazy stuff. And I actually took a part-time job in the middle of this. This is like 2007, 2008, working for the cathedral, the Catholic cathedral in Davenport, Iowa. I was the assistant to the groundskeeper. And yeah, it was an accident. That wasn't I was, I used to, I used to, so I would be, I would show up at the church on the grounds of the cathedral at like six o'clock in the morning and just walk the grounds by myself, like cleaning up shrubs and doing, doing yard work. And I would, I would spend some time in, they had a little adoration chapel where there was petrol adoration. I would, and I remember, I, I'm still at this point in time, very not Catholic. Okay. But I would like go and sit before the blessed sacrament in the adoration chapel and the guy I worked for was a very strong Catholic, and he knew what he was doing. <laughs> and he would encourage me and say, hey, let's talk about the Lord. And yeah. so I just, I found like this incredible peace in around, you know, in this cathedral and in, in, this, in this church. And I started to like really have my heart softened by to the Lord. I wasn't thinking were, were about you, you So when you, when you left ministry, were you still praying and stuff? Like, did you still have a good relationship with Jesus? You just would left ministry. It yes. was like, I, okay. here's the, like, this is kind of a thing that can happen sometimes in, in, in ministry of stuff. Right. I had to leave ministry so that I wouldn't leave Jesus. Yeah. Okay. You get burnout. It was one or the other. Yeah. It was one or the other you guys, because I, I had, I had become so convinced that, you know, God only loved me because I had this big rock star ministry. And then when that ministry was gone, I felt like I was co- total worthless loser. Yeah. I felt like I was worth nothing. And so I had to get away from all of that to just find my relationship with God. And through that, my family was getting built back up. My wife and I were, were, were really growing in our faith together because I was a terrible spiritual leader of my household, even though I was a pastor. Yeah. She was begging for me to 
hey, we need to do more as a family with leading our kids in devotions and praying with our kids. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I've just been doing that all day. That's my job. Yeah. You know, they come to church like I don't want to do that. I just want to be a dude when I come home. I don't want to think about God and church and all that stuff. So I, think, I was think about the wisdom of a, of a celibate priesthood. Right. Like that's got to be hard for a pastor. You're right. That's your job. Right. So then to have to come home and do that as your job at home, too. That's I, that's difficult. I completely I completely understand the celibate priesthood. Complete, like people have asked me now, like, oh, Keith, you're going to become a priest. You know, you can be a married priest in the Eastern Rite. Or this. I'm like, nope, there's no way in the world I would do that. Yeah. I think my mm -hmm. opinion is the reason why we have a celibate priesthood is not necessarily to protect the priests, it's protect the families. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. because marriage is so valuable that the church understands that no, the call, the vocation to marriage is, is such a valuable vocation that if that man had to be a priest, he wouldn't be able to fulfill his vocation to yeah, his family. 100%. Yeah. So I look at it like that. So anyway, I'm building this stuff up. Still not, still not thinking about this, but then here's the, this, and I don't really get to talk about this part too much in my other talk. So you guys are kind of letting me share some stuff. Um, I was pretty much out of ministry at this point, right? And I got invited to go to a Catholic men's retreat and give a talk. Okay. I'm a Protestant. You're, Catholic. You're a I'm Protestant. A Pro I'm not a Catholic. Yeah. I'm still, people know me as a Protestant guy, Protestant pastor, but now I'm not even that. Yeah, And I got invited to come to this Catholic men's retreat and then share my testimony and my, my faith journey with these Catholics. <clears throat> and I was like, what is going on here? Why are these Catholics like reaching out to me? So <laughs> it was one of those weekend retreats. That's just, I mean, God bless them, but it's very brutal. It's like you listen to these guys give talks that really don't know how to give talks. Yeah, It's super long. You're, you're like, you know, it's, it's very, it's more like going to a seventh grade retreat, but it's all with like 50 year old men. <laughs> I mean, they're making you like crochet butterflies and, and you're, oh, you're singing terrible. songs and holding hands and doing skits. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but, but there's this underpinning component of community and spirituality to it, that there's something there that you're just like, okay, this is really pretty powerful. Well, I was the second to last talk. The last talk was the priest. And I got up. The guys are dead tired. We'd been up all night. I gave my talk and I just, man, I let fly like Mussolini from the balcony, man. I was just, I just gave these guys Jesus with both barrels blazing. Yeah. And these guys were in tears and they gave me a standing ovation. And I remember the priest was pissed. Yeah, you he has to follow that. I remember like he he got up after me and he just shot me this glare. And he was just like, Well, all right. Closing well, first of all, you gotta realize, like, okay, so you left ministry at this point. You have all this penta, and you're a great preacher, man. Like, I listened to your channel and I went back and listened to all your I'm like Freaking Keith can talk, man. Oh, like thanks, he brother. knows how to he knows how to move people. I'm telling you, I was in tears listening to your 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 first Catholic talk I listened to today, and I was choked up listening you, to it. I was like, "You're Italian, that you that have yeah, a cute, little, like, I have a little sentimental." The time. So. <laughs> but it was like I can only imagine what these men got got to have their like got to get an earful of. That's well, so cool. I, I walked out of there, and I remember praying, and I said to the Lord. As I walked out of that event, and it went so it went so well, and I and I had I had had people from my home from my town 
that had asked me to come and preach in their churches during this time. I was sort of like an exile from the church. There were people that were reaching out to me going, Hey, will you, I had offers to become like, I had job offers. People were like, Hey, yeah. I heard you're not doing the thing over here. You want to come and be a pat? And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. I'm <clears> done <throat> with that. So I had told the Lord, I was like, I, I'm done with this. I will never do this again. And cause it, I, I really, and I'm not here to blame other people for, for my failings, but it, it was just a bad experience for me in the end. And when I walked out of that, that room, you know, they take your phone away. So I didn't have my phone the entire weekend. And as, as I was walking, I said, God, thank you for letting me do that. If you want me to do this again, I will say yes. And on the way out, I got my phone and I had a voicemail from a friend who had recommended me to a, a like an evangelical free church in a town 90 minutes from where I lived. And they called me and said, will you call us? We, we our pastor quit. And we heard you were a preacher. Would you be willing to come and be our, our pastor, you know, on a part-time basis? And I was like, wow, I got to do this. Yeah. So I went down, I was very apprehensive, but I ended up going down to this little church of 30 people. Okay. All these people, like these little old people that just needed something. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I'll do this. And I spent almost two years pastoring that little church. And the church grew from like 30 people to like 150 people yeah. in the in like the year and a half. And it was the most healing, fruitful time of ministry that I'd ever had up to that point because I wasn't trying to be like some big rock star, grow some big mega church. And I remember telling them, I'm like, look, you guys, we're going to have two things that we do here in this church as a philosophy of ministry. We're going to teach the Bible and we're going to be nice to each other. That's it. We're not going to have some big growth strategy. We're not going to whatever. We're just going to do this. And man, it was, it was amazing. At the end of that, that time that I was there with them, then I got the call from a friend of mine who was the pastor of a big Methodist church. And he said, Hey, you need to get back in the game, dude. He's like, get your butt up here. I need you. So I ended up taking a full-time job back in this big church, running big church ministry stuff again at a whole nother level of where I was. And that's what I was doing. Okay. What year is this? This is 2010. Okay. Okay. 2010, 2011, something okay. like that. Now, are you even paying attention to what's going on in the Catholic world? Pope Benedict stepping down or anything? Nothing. Like, you don't even know what's I going on. I don't know about I don't know. I don't you're care. You're just entrenched and you're back in your Methodist uh, church again and you're doing your thing again. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the first clue about because so. Here's kind of where I was theologically at this point in time. So on my drives to and from this church that I would go to when I would work down there, I had a 90-minute drive. Every day, I'm listening to Mark Driscoll. I'm yeah. listening to Tim Keller. I'm listening to Matt Chandler. I'm listening to all these like reform, these young, restless, and reformed guys. I don't know if you guys know any of who these guys yeah, are. Yeah, I know all of them, actually. Because okay. I listened to them when I first came back to the faith. I came in through Protestantism. It's so weird that you're saying these names. So... I was never like, I would have never considered myself like a reformed Calvinist dude. Okay. But all the preachers I listened to were these young, with the exception of Keller, um, were these young, fiery, um, very masculine, very in your face, kind of in your face, Bible preaching dudes. That was who, that was what I was into. So mm -hmm. Catholicism was like, you know, the enemy Catholicism yeah. was that's religiosity. That's, 
That's tradition. That's Those are the barnacles that got attached to the real faith. So when I went into the Methodist church, I brought a chip on my shoulder, right? Because I'm like, all right, <clears throat> I'm going to teach these Methodists real theology, real yeah. biblical, Christ-centered, gospel-centered <clears throat> theology. And that's what I did. And I preached these fiery sermons. Like the first Sunday that I wasn't brought there to be the preacher, you guys. I was brought there to run the youth program, the missions program, and to supervise the discipleship and the youth. So I, because our, our senior pastor was a great preacher. He was, he was the man in this church. The first Sunday that they let me preach to kind of introduce myself. The next day I I, I preached the sermon and he and he was looking at me weird. The next, the next day he pulls me into his office and no joke. He says to me, he goes, Keith, we need to figure this out. He said, I can't do what you do, but this church needs it. So Basically, he said to me, that's pretty humble. He was very, he's a very humble guy. That's he's, pretty humble, right? He's a, way, he's a way better leader than I will ever be in he, ministry. He put his, he put his, his, um, his, uh, parish, well, not parish, but his community before his, his own ego. That's, that's pretty cool. He, he's a, he's a very good man and he's a very, he's a very godly man and he wants what the Lord wants. And he, and he literally said to me, so I need you to help me. He says, so we're going to team teach. We're going yeah. to basically rotate, which, I was very flattered by that because I didn't, cause he's a great preacher too. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's an awesome preacher. So I thought to myself, okay, I got to learn. I got to learn the chops here because I'm used to preaching for an hour and these sermons have to be 25 minutes because we've yeah. got four services right in a row. Boom, 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 boom. We can't be late. Everything's got to be dialed in. So I learned a lot from him about how to say, how to say a lot in a short amount of time which you're probably laughing your butts off right now. listening to me talk. You know? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. So, so keep going, man. So I start in there and I, and I love this church. You know, by this time, my kids are teenagers, you know, we're, 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 we're established now. We've got a, a beautiful home. Things are going like, it's a nice job. It's a good salary. It's a, we're in a good community. We moved to this town. Like my wife, she's a professional photographer she was able to like open up her own studio that I would, that I helped her with kind of on the weekends, you what know, kind of photography. What does she do? Portrait photography. Portrait. Cause my wife does infant photo shoots, maternity shoots, things like that. My wife's a photographer. Also. Yeah. So my so. wife, my wife is a freaking world-class portrait photographer. Oh, wow. And, that's cool. And so we started, we started a little business together. Um, and I was basically her lackey until I started learning how to, how to do photography. Anyway, that's that, that, that comes along later, but, um, it was, we were in a, we were in a great spot. Yeah. However, the Methodist church was getting more and more and more out of whack, more and more. So it, was, it was getting rough in the nineties and now it's 2011 and it's gotta be really oh, be getting, hectic. it was, it was getting terrible. And yeah. my pastor was very much on the conservative side. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were that, that church that was kind of the conservative church within the world of liberal denominationalism. So I felt good with him, but I, I was, and remember after listening to all of this, Mark Driscoll, Matt Chandler, you know, John Piper, Tim, all this stuff, I've got, I've got zero tolerance for, you know, left wing liberal you Christianity. Were, you were the rad trad of the Protestant world. hundred <laughs> percent. You were a rad trad in the Protestant world. Well, I was the, That's I was great. the rad trad, but I had no, I had no connection to like, historical Protestantism yeah, or yeah, yeah. classical the- theological stuff. Like 
our idea of classical theology was like Wayne Grudem systematic theology. And like, we didn't, I wasn't reading like the, the catechism of, you know, of the, the Protestant reformers and all that stuff like that. I just trusted all that. So as our denominations going even more wacky, more wacky, more wacky, I'm getting more and more frustrated, more and more frustrated. And I was, I was frustrated by the fact that even though my senior pastor was, he's very, he's a very great leader. He's also very politically savvy, which I am not. So he's like, Keith, we got to play the long game here. We can't, you know, we got, and I'm just like, no, we don't. We need to stand up here. We need to break things and yell at people and hurt stuff. You know, that's what we need hey, to it do. It sounds like you, Anthony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I was feeling very frustrated in that environment. And I'm, I'm having these conversations with, with these, with these liberal people and, and within the denomination and it's not going well for me. And I'm, I, I just can't deal with it. And right around that time, um, my, my buddy, Greg, who's the one who brought me to Medjugorje the first time. Okay. He, he comes up and he says, Hey, I want to take you and your wife to see a movie. I'm like, okay. So he takes us to see this movie called Apparition Hill, which is it's about Medjugorje. It's about Medjugorje. Yeah. yeah I've seen it. <laughs> I hadn't thought about Medjugorje since I was there 12 years earlier. Like I didn't yeah. know anything about it. I hadn't, whatever. So we go to this movie and I thought it was a very well done movie. It was. It it's a documentary, away. right? It's a documentary, yeah. But they, it's about that kid. He was he was addicted to drugs, and he went there. Is that the they, same they one? They take they picked I think like seven people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, okay, yeah, yeah. They take them over there and follow their experience. And mm-hmm. some of them aren't Catholic. Some of them aren't even Christian. One guy was an atheist. Yeah. And so we got to lunch afterwards, and I, I was confessing to my friend Greg. I said to him, "I'm like, look, I'm I'm feeling even more unsettled than I've ever been. You know, we didn't really talk about the movie a whole lot, but I said I'm just like." I'm not doing well and I don't know what to do. And he said to me, you should really go talk to a Catholic priest. And I thought, all right, I can do that. And right around that same time, you were open to that. Like, like, I don't like, (laughs) like that has to have, that has to be a little bit of God just break. Like that you would say, okay to that. That's such a strange thing that you were all right with talking to a priest. Well, I didn't see, here's the thing. Even though, even though I didn't believe Catholicism was true, I never hated Catholics. Yeah. I never hated the Catholic church. I never was like, okay, we've got to talk about how the evil cat, like I still yeah. loved my Catholic friends. And, and you, you didn't think all Catholics went to hell. I no, guess, right? I, I okay. was, I sort of was like, I had a soft spot in my heart for Catholicism. I didn't believe it was true. I, I thought it was wrong, but I, I, I couldn't, just all of a sudden now, like hate Catholicism. So I thought, okay. And then I, then I was having these conversations with, with a, 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 a woman pastor who's very liberal. And I was arguing with her about our situation in the Methodist church. And I'm arguing with her from scripture. And she says to me, you know, well, that's your interpretation of the Bible. And I'm like, okay, I can't argue from scripture alone. So I started talking about, well, the church has always taught this and the church. (laughs) She's like, well, the church has been wrong, you know, and we're here to fix the church. And, you know, what church are you even talking about? And so then I'm like, oh man, okay. I started to like, think about those old arguments for Catholicism, that authority. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, without an external authority, just having the Bible isn't going to get us out of this mess. And I I remember I went to a gathering and there was a a seminary, uh, like a theology chairman of the seminary was that he was our keynote. 
And I asked him at lunch, I said, hey, without an external source of, the, of authority, love what, Kennedy are we, Hall pops in. what are we going to do? <laughs> and yeah. she goes, he goes, I said, how are we going to solve this problem if we don't have any authority outside of our own interpretation of the Bible? Because that's not working for me. And he just looks at me and he just goes, well, it sucks to be Protestant, doesn't it? Wow. And I was like, dude, <laughs> wow. These, these freaking guys are not helping me, you know? And so meanwhile, my my friend Greg talks to a person and finds this priest in, 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 uh, in my town where I live in Cedar Rapids. And I call him up and I said, hey, I'm supposed to meet with you. He says, come down to daily mass and then we'll, we'll go out to lunch. And I'm like, all right. I hadn't been to mass in forever. Now, I, did you receive when you went? No, of course not. Okay, good. No, yeah, yeah. I, was no, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I was very respectful of, of Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't going to like try to like, you know, thumb my nose. Well, I didn't know it. if because I didn't know if you knew enough to not like I, I because I know a lot of Protestants that would just think nothing of it and go up. So I didn't. Oh, I didn't know. Let yeah. me let me tell you, my my friend Devin made sure I knew enough. Oh, okay, good. You better not even think about receiving you yeah. filthy Protestant. No, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I, I knew the rules. I knew the rules. Yeah. So, a lot of Protestant converts um, have weird experiences when they go to mass. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I had this aha moment, but it wasn't when the Eucharist was was um, consecrated or anything like that. It was during the processional. So I'm standing there. It's Tuesday afternoon. There's like 150 people in this church. And I'm thinking to myself on a Tuesday afternoon at noon, there's people coming to church. Like I couldn't get that to happen in my church, you know, no matter what. I was blown away just by, again, it's that experiential lived out faith that has such an impact on people. So the priest comes walking in the processional and the deacon is there and he's got the gospel, right? And he's holding up the gospel and he's like doing the thing where they kind of show it to you. And that was my moment, you guys. Like the Holy Spirit hit me. It was like, this is our book. This matters. This is, this is important to us. And as a guy who was struggling with the whole lack of biblical integrity in my experience to see that, I was like, all right, I went to, I went to lunch with father Chris. Um, and this, this priest was unlike any other priest I'd ever talked to. He just, he did not have time to screw around with me. He said to me, so why aren't you Catholic? What's your deal? And I kind of gave him the spiel. And, and I said, to be honest with you, I, I, you know, I see a lot of things about Catholicism that appeal to me, but I think I would get a need a lot of time to pray about that. You know, he goes, no, you don't. He said, you just need to make a decision. And he's like, you, cause I had told him my whole journey with all this. So he's like, you don't need to learn anything more. You just need to make a decision. What are you going to do? And man, from that point on, I was like, I felt like I was exposed. You know, I, I couldn't so, like Scott Hahn, Scott Hahn t- tells the story and he says uh, he actually said to Kimberly's because uh, he, he promised her he would wait until like the following year or five years from then. And he's like, right. He's like, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then he said and then he said to her that uh, delaying obedience is feeling a lot like disobedience. Hundred percent. imagining that's what you're, you're going through at that point. Right. Well, I was it was it was beginning to get to that point. Yeah, I felt I felt now by this time. So here's the thing. By this time, YouTube exists. So now I start um, I start watching YouTube videos. Yeah. And while I'm doing that, I'm coming across all these different YouTube channels that that uh, are out there. And 
one of the ones I came across was Steve Ray. I came across his talk on Steve Ray's great on the papacy, right? Yeah. And I watched that talk. I watched, you know, I, I watched, um, you know, Taylor Marshall stuff back then was more geared toward like catechesis, apologetics, you know, apologetics, yeah, and catechesis, apologetics. definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I was, I was watching that and a bunch of stuff, you know, Catholic oh. answers, you know, the, the normal stuff. And I woke up one day and I was praying and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, Keith, you've got to, you've got to uh, get a hold of Steve Ray. And I was like, what, is, what do you mean get a hold of Steve Ray? This is like a conversation I'm having with the Lord. I don't know anything about <laughs> Steve Ray. He was just a guy I saw a video of. So I was like, Steve Ray, Steve Ray. I don't know where he lives. I don't know how to do that. Nothing. That day, I'm scheduled to have dinner with my friend Greg, who's the one who brought me to Medjugorje the first time and then took me to the movie and got me hooked up with Father Chris. He says, we're going to meet for dinner. <clears throat> like, okay. We walk into this restaurant. I meet him down in Iowa City, which is about 40 minutes away from me, 40 minutes away from him. He walks in. Before he even sits down, his phone goes off. And he looks at his phone. He goes, oh, my wife says, Keith, Steve Ray is, is in town giving a talk tonight. You guys should go. What are the chances? Dude, I, I was like, what are like, the chances? <laughs> what? We have to go. We have to, I have to go. I'm like, and I told him, I said, this morning, the Lord is like Steve Ray on my heart. I'm like, I don't understand any of this. I don't know Steve, nothing. And so we take off and we go to this little parish in Silvis, Illinois, Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I'm like, at this point in time, God's got my attention. I go in there and they're having mass. I go up to the front and I make my little sign of the cross or a blessing, you know, across my, my arms. And I, I kneel down. I didn't like go back to my seat. I just knelt down right there. And I looked up at the crucifix and I started praying. Yeah. And I remember praying this prayer. I was like, God, if you want me to become Catholic, I will do it, but you've got to make a way. See, that's what my dad had told me, you guys. My dad, I had, I had had conversations with him about where I was at. Now, our family at this time was going through a really hard time. My mom was in the process of dying from pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. So my family was in a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil. Yeah. So I would go and meet with my, my, my dad. We'd go for walks, and I'd spend time with my mom. And I said, Dad, I think I'm, I'm going to become Catholic. And... He was basically like, you can't just do that. You know, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way for you to take care of your family. So that was echoing in my ear. And when I prayed that prayer and look up at the crucifix, like the Lord hit me like a ton of bricks. And he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. You don't need me to make a way. You just need me. And that was probably the most real experience I've ever had with the Lord in my life. And I went back to my seat and then I heard Steve give this talk about how the early church was willing to die before they would give up the faith. And I thought, and I'm worried about a job. I'm worried about making some people mad. And, uh, after that was done, I told my, my friend, Greg, I said, I said, I got to do this. You know, he took me up to talk to Steve. Steve gave me his book. And, um, he said to me, you know, my friend Greg's like, this is Keith. He's a Protestant pastor. Think about becoming Catholic, you know? And Steve was like, Hey, Keith, he goes, I know right where you are. He goes, you either need to become Catholic right now or turn around and run the other way and never look back. And I'd already done that once. 
So I was like, I'm not doing that again. The, the way home, I told Greg, I said, I said, um, I said, uh, I'm doing this. I got home. I told my wife, I said, I got to quit. I got to become Catholic. And, you know, she said to me, she said, well, I, I've watched you struggle with this. I've watched you seek God for this. And even though I can't really relate to where you are right now in your faith with all of this, she said, I trust you and I, and I, I trust that God is leading you. So I'm with you hundred percent. And the next day I went in and basically resigned my job. And, and, um, the last Sunday that I was at my church was the Sunday that we were breaking ground on a new $10 million facility that we'd been wow. working on for years. It, is my, is my mic still bad, Rob? It, it is loud. I would turn gain down a little. Turn it down. To, I mean, I have it way down. Um, still? It's pretty loud. <laughs> Why would it be this loud? I have it all the way down now. How about now? Okay, that's better. That's better? Yep. Okay. So, okay. So what do you tell them? <laughs> well, I, I had given my senior pastor, I'd given him kind of a heads up that I was going this way. I had told him, I had told him in the past, um, I'd said, look, I, I'm really feeling like Roman Catholicism is looking pretty attractive to me right now. And he couldn't believe that. He was like, no way, no way, you know, no way will you ever do that. And he basically told me, he's like, I want you to write a sermon series on the history and, and, and nature of the Christian church. And I said, I don't think oh. you're going to like what I have to say. <laughs> and, he sealed he the basically deal. said to me, he goes, well, he, this man, you know, you, you said it before, what a good guy. He, he literally said this to me. He said, well, Keith, if that's the truth, then don't you want to tell our people the truth? So he, he let you preach this sermon, dude. I preached a sermon on why Peter is the rock that built the church is built upon apostolic succession. I preached a sermon on Advent. One of the things that made me Catholic was, was I preached a sermon on the Annunciation. And while I was in my office writing this sermon, like the Virgin Mary, like came to me, not like in an apparition, but just like, mm. like I had this divine encounter with her. And I was like in my office working on my sermon, just bawling my eyes out, writing this sermon about the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I preached this sermon that she's the new Eve. She's the new Ark of the Covenant. She's the woman of Genesis 3.15, Revelation 12, John 9. I mean, I'm connecting all these things. I'm showing church father quotes to my Methodist congregation. So, and okay, this is crazy. They have no How, idea. They don't that know. That sermon, by the way, is on YouTube somewhere. Um, wait, they have wait, no idea that I'm wrestling with Catholicism. What's, that sermon. That's the, the one I preached about the Annunciation. Oh, I'm going to have to hear that. Um, and they have no idea I'm wrestling with Catholicism because I, I had told by my pastor, but I hadn't told anybody else. And I remember preaching that sermon on the Blessed Virgin Mary. And people ask me about it today. They're just like, did they want to like throw things at you? And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. Like most Protestants, they don't live in the world that we all live in right now yes. with Protestant, Catholic, blah, blah, blah. You know, they don't. They just heard a sermon that moved them. Yeah. And they said to me, like, there were people literally crying. There was a young man that came up after the service, and he doesn't do this. He came up, and he just fell on his knees and just started bawling. And I went down and prayed with him. And he said to me, this is the one after I preached about the, the Blessed Virgin Mary. He said, I have never heard anything like that before in my life. Yeah. And that whole week, I had people dropping in, Keith, what was that? Like, that, where did that come? Not in a bad way. 
So, so real quick, when you go back, when you were talking earlier about when you asked about Peter the Rock and people were saying, well, we just believe his faith. The thing yeah. is, Protestants just believe what their pastors teach them about scripture. So you're going into this service and you're preaching and they're just listening to their pastor give them an exegetical thesis on scripture and they don't they don't even know it's catholic so they're just listening to it and they're just probably blown away right so oh man take us through this because i gotta know yeah. if any of them came with you i need to know you gotta you gotta know what if any of them came with you like did any of them oh uh, well as a matter of fact so funny man uh long long story short yes um but so to get back to how he reacted, when, when I finally told him I'm doing this, he kind of had a heads up. When I had to write my letter to the church, my actual resignation letter to the church, my, my first draft was rejected <laughs> because it was pretty, it was pretty harsh, you know, against the Methodist church. Yeah. And he said to me, he's like, Keith, I don't, I can't share that with people. He's like, Let's let's do something a little bit more about you and your own faith journey and less about us and why we're crap, basically, is what yeah. he said to me. And I said, that's <laughs> fair. So, you know, the way it was put to my congregation was Keith has felt this call to Roman Catholicism, and he's doing this because he loves Jesus. He's stepping out. He has no idea how he's going to live, how he's going to make money. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't know what he's going to do, but he's... He's doing what he thinks the Lord is calling him to do. So even though this is going to be hard for us to accept because we love Keith, we, we, have, we have listened to his fiery sermons over the years challenging us to follow Christ wherever he calls you. And now that's what he's doing. Unfortunately for us, it's leading him away from us, but we have to support and love him through that. Um, wow. So that was really the, the heart in which they they sent that out. Now that isn't to say that I didn't have plenty of people that were like, what the frig are you doing? Yeah. You know, have you lost your mind? But that was kind of where we were coming from. It was, a, it was a, which made it really hard to leave you guys, because I love those people. I still do. Yeah. Like they're my friends. You know, I probably have more Protestant friends than Catholic friends to this day. Yeah. You know? imagine my your whole best life. friends are Protestant pastors to this day. Um, so <clears throat> That's kind of how that went down, you know, and that was, that was, uh, 2017. My priest didn't father Chris, he didn't take me through RCIA. He just said, Good. look, you and I are going to do our own thing. And when you're ready, it's time. So I, I said to him one day, I said, look, I think I'm pretty serious about this. I quit my job. You know, I want to become Catholic. What do we need to do? He goes, pick a date. So we picked the random date of, of October 8th. He didn't make you wait for Easter. Nope. Oh, thank God bless this priest. He's amazing. I'm telling you, Father Chris, he's, he's been on my YouTube channel several times. He's, he's, he is, he's an amazing guy. So he said, just pick a day. He goes, you're ready. So, you know, my wife and I, we had to get our marriage convalid. You know, we had to do our marriage yeah. in the church because we got married in the Methodist church. She's yeah, Catholic. Okay, so so. Wait, 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 oh, back up your wife. <laughs> what is your wife? Like, what's going on with your wife during this? Well, she basically was like, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to walk into this with you. But our kids were, were too old to just say to them, hey, guess what? You're all Catholic now. Yeah. So how, we how had old to, are they? Like what, what uh, age at the is time, you? they were like 15, 17, and 18. So they had yeah. confirmation age. to do it. Yeah. And yeah. they were very involved in the Methodist church. They were like, yeah. they were in the band. They, you know, my daughter was a missionary to Haiti. You know, all this. I mean, like. Yeah, 18 so, is an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Eighteen is an adult like that. You have to make this decision as an adult. Yeah. So my wife said, I will come with you, but yeah. I'm telling you guys, it was hard. 
Like yeah. we went through all the stuff. October 8th comes. I'm received into the Catholic Church. You know, I kind of teased her. I'm like, this is bull crap. I got to go through all this stuff. You just have to go to confession one time. You know? <laughs> She's Catholic already. <laughs> yeah. She's raised for her. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, but that was really hard for her because she had a traumatic experience happen to her when she was a little girl in confession. Yeah. So she had a lot of baggage around that. So the first, the first year of our Catholic experience, um, she would cry every day at mass and then wow. be like super angry at me the whole rest of the day wow. because our kids had decided they didn't want to become Catholic. Yeah, like they cool. were so used to the way we did things in Protestant world and they weren't part of my whole journey. So they were just like, dad, we don't get this. It doesn't relate to us. Do we have to do this? And I finally was like, no, you guys don't have to do that. So anyway, October 8th comes, I got to share one more thing about this. The random day on the calendar. I go up, I make my, com my confirmation, receive my first sacrament, go back, stand there. It's time to pass the peace. This is pre 2020. So we're still doing that in the church at that point in time. And I'm in the front row and I feel a tap on my shoulder when it's time to pass the peace. I turn around, Steve Ray is standing there. No way. And he goes, <laughs> welcome home, brother. You'll never look back. He had no idea. I was the guy that was with him, you know, before in, in Illinois. Yeah. He just happened to be at that church, giving a talk in that town and happened to be at that mass and saw a guy was joining the Catholic church and came up and shook my hand. I just, and I was just like, dude, that's a miracle. <laughs> Um, Did you, have you have you spoken to him about all oh, this? Oh yeah, like, he's been on my oh, okay. podcast a couple of times. Oh, okay. I, I, I've right. talked with Steve about it. You know, um, you know, it, 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 I still don't know that he really remembers all that. But no, probably it, not. It was, but it was a, it was a little miracle. I look, you, I mean, you see, like God, the little things God does, right, to give you confirmation, to let you know His hand was in everything. I'm telling you, even listening to your story, like Keith, you you you're making my heart bubble up a little like i there's something so beautiful about hearing these conversion stories okay see, guys, so, i told you you'd get to see him cry oh <laughs> i'm yeah. not crying yet <laughs> <laughs> so okay so you get received into the church now now what is the process from there to decide career and become oh, the yeah so like when, when do you start your youtube channel like where, oh, what do you what happens that, from here that was the furthest thing from my mind so what i was thinking about was you know, Father Chris pulled me aside one day and he said, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, what is that? He says, Every, people are going to try to get you to do stuff in the church because of your background. Yeah. He says, don't do it. He said, give yourself one year. Yeah. He said, just mm -hmm. be Catholic, Keith. He goes, I'm going to leave you alone. Not like leave me alone personally, but he goes, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Yeah. He goes, just just keep a low profile and just experience being Catholic. You've had a long journey to get here. Now you just need to experience Catholic and you need to rest. And yeah, yeah because there's a whole, a totally different culture that oh. you're coming from. Protestant culture is so different from Catholic culture, right? So it's like, you got to learn when to make the sign of the cross, when to kneel, when to genuflect, when to like, there's, there's such a beautiful thing about being Catholic, learning the prayers for grace. Learning, like you really did need that time to just kind of soak it all in. Well, that's eventually I wrote a book about that, but, yeah. but, um, so my thought was, I just want to be a Catholic dude who goes to mass. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a pastor. I don't want anybody to, to, you know, I don't, I just want to go to mass and just, 
be Catholic. I, and I was so excited about that. Now, as far as like job stuff goes, I, you know, I just rolled into the photography world and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. And I mean, we lost about probably 75% of our income as a family, mm, you know, yeah. when I quit my job at the church, but we had this little business that was kind of there. And when I went into it full time, it, we really like my wife and I, we just said, okay, we got to double down and work really hard. And we grew that thing and we grew our business. It was, it was a big business at one point in time. So I was just working my butt off <clears throat> being a, learning how to be a photographer. And eventually, um, that became just what we did. So we were never like, we never got rich doing it. We never got back to where we were with yeah. the two, with the two incomes, but we, we, we made enough to survive. And that was, that was, and we were together and that was the cool thing. And I was a Catholic and I was so excited about being Catholic. And so, um, just loving life, being Catholic. And meanwhile, my wife is struggling. Yeah. She's having such a tough time, you guys, because our family is now divided. My kids don't come to church with us. You know, she's going to mass. She doesn't get it. She, she goes there and she's yeah, like, she's you know, going through the motions, but she's going through her the heart motions. and her head. Yes, she did it for me. She didn't yeah. do it because she wanted to become Catholic. Oh, what a good wife you have, Keith. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. So she's on her own journey and it's rough. And I don't know what to do to help her. You know, I don't mm. know what to do. I'm just like trying. So we would start to have these conversations and a couple of things were happening. She was starting to sort of ask questions about the mass and different things and relate things to her childhood. And <clears throat> little things were starting to kind of click a little bit. And then, but then she would also say, Keith, this is ridiculous. Why aren't you, why aren't you doing anything? You know, you're wasting yourself. Why aren't you doing it? And I'm like, nope, nope, that's done. She's like, this isn't going to work. You, you, this is who you are. You're, you're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. And, and I, and I was telling people about Jesus in my photography world. I was yeah. used to take my, my photography sessions. We'd be talking about Christ. We'd be leading people to Jesus and sharing the faith with people. And like, I'm like, I'm doing that. What are you talking about? She's like, no, there's something more for you. There's something more. And I'm just like, get out of here with that. Um, so then my friend, Greg, okay. Said to me and Estelle one this, day, this is the one that took you to Medjugorje. Yep. Okay. He said, guess what guys? He said, I want to go on. He goes, I want to go to Medjugorje again. And I want you guys to come with. So he paid for us to go to Medjugorje. My wife and I now as Catholics. Talk about God providing. When, when I got there, the day we arrived was October 8th, 2018. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is my one year anniversary of being Catholic. And now I'm back in Medjugorje as a Catholic. This is going to be a little bit different experience. Mm -hmm. And it was a great experience. The last night that we were there, though, I could tell something was going on with my wife. Okay. She was just really unsettled. And we were at adoration. We we're praying. It was amazing. And um, then we go over to Victor's for pizza afterwards, which is kind of right across the deal. And my wife asked Greg, she said, hey, what time do confessions get over? And he's like, like 10 o'clock at night. And it was like 945. And he's like, you'll never get in now. Um, and she's like, okay, well, I think I should walk over there. So what was happening was God was reaching out to my wife saying, you need to go to confession. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. So 
she was kind of like holding out to the last minute. Hopefully she'll go over there and there won't be anybody there. Then she can at least say she tried. We walk over there. I said, I'll walk over there with you. She's like, okay. There was one priest left and he was English speaking priest. (laughs) He walks up or she walks up to him and he literally says to her, I've been waiting for you. (laughs) And I'm like, the confessions are outdoors. So, but I can't hear what's going on. I'm kind of standing far back, but I can see that she's getting pretty worked up. My wife's Italian and Polish, man. She's just like, you know, fill it up. She's a Philly chick. And I can see, and this priest is like, he's crying and then he's laughing and all, all this kind of stuff. Well, then after like a 20 minute confession, they stand up and she just hugs him. Yeah. And she comes walking back toward me. She got tears streaming down her face. And I was like, you know, legalistic Keith. I'm like, well, what's your penance? Yeah. And she goes, goes, I don't have one. (laughs) And I'm like, what? And and then, so she, she told me about this experience that she had with this priest who basically read her soul. And he told her exactly what she was dealing with and what she was struggling with. And she was so blown away by that. Like all the walls that she had in her heart that were built up to the Catholic faith and everything, just boom, gone. And he told her, he said, keep doing what you're doing. God loves you. God has a plan. Just be patient and it will all be clear very soon. And she was like a totally different person. The next day we're leaving, we're driving back to, uh, you know, to split Croatia where we're going to fly out of. It's like five o'clock. It's time to pray. We're on the bus. As we're praying, I feel this lightning bolt from heaven, just boom. And I pull out my phone and I start typing in the notes. And I showed my phone to my wife and she's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be praying, you know? And, and I showed, I said, this is the book I have to write. And it said the convert's guide to Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Mm. And it was like, I don't know if you ever remember the scene from the matrix where like Neo, it gets the thing and he, he yeah. Says, yeah, 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 I know yeah, Kung yeah. Fu. Like it this was, is like divine like revelation being plugged into your head. It was like that. It was like God just downloaded this yeah. entire book into my mind. I thought exactly what you said, Anthony, about the cultural differences. What is it like to be a convert? Not here are the points of theology and here are yeah. the ap- the apologetic arguments and here are this and here's the teaching of the church and here are the rubrics. No, we got enough of that. Yeah. What we don't have is a down to earth um, explanation of what it's like to enter into the cultural aspects of Catholicism. What do you do? How do you tell your friends you're becoming Catholic? How do you find a church? How do you, like, what do you do for devotions? What do you start with? Cause when you become a Catholic, Within about eight minutes, you've been given nine different <laughs> color scapulars, 37 rosaries, <laughs> prayer cards, and everyone's like inviting you over to their house to pray. And you're like, what do I do here? So I go back home. I go back home, and I'm a photographer, dude, right? And I'm like, well, I guess I have to write this book. I've never written a book before. I don't know what I'm doing. But I went away to this monastery, and I just plowed through this book, and I'm just like, okay, I don't have a publisher. I'm just, I'm just a guy who takes pictures, who's Catholic. And I wrote this book and I put it out on Amazon. And in the meantime, the one, my one year was up. Okay. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, okay. It was like, somebody was waiting for me to have the one year up. So So you self-published it. I self-published it. You self-published it. Both my books are self-published. I don't have a publisher. Um, So 
I, I was approached about giving my talk at my parish, you know, for a, for a, like a parish witness or whatever. Keith, look, so you won't believe this. I literally just bought that book. I didn't realize Keith wrote it. No way. She just bought it. <laughs> Thank you, Shelly. <laughs> I hope you love it. It'll make a lot more sense now that you've heard this story. <laughs> so I, I, I was, you know, the, they asked me, they said, Hey, Keith, will you, will you give your, your, uh, like your witness talk or whatever? That's what they call it in the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, in, in the Protestant world, it's called your testimony in the, in the Catholic world, it's called your witness talk. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. So I remember they were like, well, can we get together for a practice talk? And like these, like these dudes were like hounding me for a written version of my talk. And I'm like, all right. So I wrote it out. And then they're like, well, we need to have a, we need to schedule the practice talk. And I was like, guys, I was a pastor for 20 years. I don't need to practice this talk. Yeah. But, but they were like, well, that's our policy. I'm like, fine. Is this a so parish? I, yeah, this is in our parish. So I, so I went and, and so I went and I gave the practice talk and the, the people I gave the practice talk to were just like, oh, <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> well, then they started hyping it. Right. And so I, I thought to myself, well, I don't know that anybody's going to show up to this thing. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody really in the church. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping pretty low profile. And I had spent all day on the road visiting photographers because by this time I had to get a second job. So I was now a consultant to other photographers traveling around, helping them with build their businesses. Um, I had been on the road all day and it was time for me to give my talk. I rolled in after being on the road for like 10 hours into my parish and they were like, Three or four hundred people in there. I couldn't believe. Now, this it. is the talk I watched today. No, this is a different one. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, this is the one. If you go to my my, it just says Keith Nestor's conversion story. Okay? Yeah. Okay. I saw that one. That was the one right after. That's that. the one. Yeah. Yeah. So I gave that talk, and I had done one other one. I think at, at that point in time called "What's So Great About Being Catholic" or whatever. And somebody sent me the files, and I just I didn't know what to do with them, so I just parked them on YouTube. I just made a YouTube channel and I literally uploaded them. And, and I mean, this is how to this day, right? How just ignorant I was of the whole YouTube thing. That I didn't, I just, whatever thumbnail it picked views. is what the thumbnail is. And literally yeah, the description was Protestant becomes Catholic. That video has 260,000 views. No, it's got 330 some thousand. Views. 3, 378. Yeah. It's like, right it's now. like, it's like, holy cow, man. You just see, you know what that is? That's the spirit of God taking that conversion story and just taking it. Well, the one that you watched, though, Keith's first talk, that one I did in December. So that one, I kind of like, I, I was willing to give one talk to, because that was Greg's church. Greg said, yeah. hey, because I had told everybody else I'm not doing this, but Greg was like, will you please come and share this? A lot of the people that were there, it was really more of like a, like the people that I went to Medjugorje with the first time yeah. all came to hear my story. Yeah, yeah so, that's probably so amazing for them, right? They, they were like blown away by it. But, so I, I parked those, I parked those videos on YouTube and I just completely forgot about them. Yeah. I had this book I was working on. Didn't know what I was going to do with it, I, but I didn't care because I wasn't trying. Like, here's the thing. I tell guys this all the time who are going to become Catholic and they're all like, okay, well, how do I start a podcast? I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. But like, I never made a plan to do any of this stuff. It just kind of happened. Yeah. I, I parked my videos on YouTube. I put my, my, my book up there and then I just went back to doing my thing. And then I got somebody got a hold of me and said, Hey, would you come on our podcast? So I went on a podcast uh, called the cordial Catholic. 
And I, I saw an interview with the three Keats. I saw yeah. like the three. I watched a video today with the three Keats with the cordial Catholic. So, Tell you, I went through all your videos. Yeah, today, so I was it was just. It was day. just. I mean, if you looked like some of my first videos, I'm literally in my car driving around, just kind of like talking to the because I started yeah. seeing people are like viewing these videos, and I was I remember like when the first video that what's so great about being Catholic got like. 4,000 views, I like flipped out. I'm like, what is going on? And so then I thought, well, I'll make another video. So then I just started like once a week, my wife and I, we would go to mass, then we would come home and then we would go, Hey, let's make a video. What should we talk about? I don't know. So like a lot of my earlier videos where it's like former Protestant pastor talks about his Mary or, or what's so great about, or what's so hard about being Catholic. Those were literally shot just like, yeah, there you go. Like impromptu <laughs> um, on a Sunday afternoon. So that's kind of really how things got started. And then I then yeah, I started getting is, invitations to come and speak. And then one thing led to another. And now here I am. And this is at the time when Taylor Marshall's podcast starts blowing up, like 2018, 2019. This is before yes. the pandemic. Like it really was a very, like a hot time on YouTube for Catholicism. It was a lot of people were turned to the faith during that time. It was right, right around when the McCarrick stuff was happening and people were longing for solid preaching and solid Catholic stuff. That's it's such a cool, like, I don't know, man, dude, you even listening to this whole story. It's like, I was saying before, like, why do we love listening to convert stories is because you just see God working in the heart of a person because you really had your heart circumcised. Like that's, that's what oh, this dude. is. Uh, everything I went through, the ugly stuff, the, you know, it all like brought me to this place where, you know, it's very interesting. Like I have, I have a, you know, a moderate size, relatively speaking, following here on the internet. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm not just saying this, but I'm sh- I'm sharing this with you guys. This is the this is the God's honest truth. I have like, I don't like none of that affects me. You yeah. know, I I am not at all caught up in trying to grow some big YouTube channel or some big thing. Like I could give a flying rip about how many followers and how. What I care about is this. I just want to make content that helps people grow in their faith and become Catholic and helps Catholics get fired up about their faith and helps people who are considering Catholicism, like make that journey and, and praise God. Like I'm talking to a guy tomorrow morning who reached out to me. People do that all the time. And I I talk to people, right. Who he's quitting his job. He's been a pastor for nine months. He just became a pastor and he quit his job because he wants to become Catholic. And like, I get to help these people. One, one kid reached out to me and was like, Hey, my girlfriend's Catholic and I got to talk her out of that. But then I watched your videos and now I want to, to talk, ask questions. Long story short, I sent him a copy of the book and a rosary. I've been praying for him. Six months later, he asked me to be his confirmation sponsor. And I drove nine hours down to Louisville, Kentucky to bring him into the church. You know, when he he came into the church, like that's what I love to do, man. But if I was, if I was like Keith 15, 20 years ago, I I don't know that I would have been able to handle any of that kind of stuff, but like really now it's, it's so not about me. It's so not about trying to have some big following or whatever. Like, I don't, I really don't care about that. I, I just care about, I mean, I just love being Catholic so much. I, I I just, Mm -hmm. every day I wake up and I'm so thankful and I'm so, I don't know. Somebody asked me one time when, you know, what they said to me, you're just in your honeymoon phase. You get over it, then you'll be like the rest of us. 
And what's the rest of us? What do you mean? So, this is like it's you want to know why we they were like, oh yeah, you'll be, you know, and I'm just like, nope, sorry, man. Like I still get weepy eyed sometimes in mass. I, I like when the priest raises the host, even the Nova Sorter, when he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold, now I know what it means in Latin, but it doesn't matter. I'm just like, I'm so moved by by this, and I'm so grateful to the Lord for what he's done in my life just as a man, right? For for where mm-hmm. I am, just to just to be in the church. Like yeah. that's the goal. But so many people take that for granted. I I, I just I don't know, man. Uh, just, seeing I, seeing the fervor of a of a Protestant convert, it's like it's like they really truly see the pearl of great price that they gave up everything for. And I think it's a like I see God's providence so much in those Protestant converts that really did come in in the 80s, 90s. They catechized the cradle Catholics that weren't getting catechesis and they really did light a light a fire in all of our souls. Right. I'm, like Rob and I started this channel because there was so much negativity and focus on the drama in Rome that we were like, dude, we got to like, we got to bring some joy to this. Amen. Like we got to bring a little about you guys. In. You guys are hilarious. You know, I, I, just to it, make people laugh. It's well, so crazy how much negativity is out there. Like I want, I want people when they tune into us that they walk away, they don't feel dejected. Like everything's doom and gloom. I want them to walk away and go, we hung out with our friends tonight. We laughed about being Catholic and we, we got some joy out of our mm-hmm. night, you know? I, and that's, that's how I feel. That's why, that's why I love what you guys are doing here because it's, 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 it's fun. And I think, yeah. I, th- I think be, and, and even, you know, even within the whole, like, you know, kind of trad world or whatever, I think people have lost that sense of, of you know it's okay to have fun like yeah you don't have to be you know you know you don't have to be miserable I, I sometimes i'll run into people who i'll see them in mass and i don't know them personally but i'll see them in mass and they just look like somebody literally kicked their cat before before they got mm-hmm. there but then when you talk to them in the parking lot they're like hey how's it going you know whatever and i'm like why do you do this you know when you're in mass but when you get outside like you're happy. You're inside. Christ is there. Yeah. You can be joyful there too. Like we should, that, that's part of our witness is it's, it's so important you know, to show be people that joyful joy. and show people that like, you're excited to still be Catholic and stuff. And it's like, and, and you still got to do those deep dives in scripture and you got to absolutely. Like, it's like it, the, the things that I'm seeing out there really were discouraging me. And I'm like, this, this, this space needs something, man. Like it needs <laughs> something different. Like everybody's just, I, that's, I, and I'm so glad I chose Rob to do this with me because ha- I think people need to see like buddies just hanging and talking too. you know, it's yeah. like, it, it, it really is. Uh, most people that watch our show say, uh, it feels like, what, what did she say? She said, um, uh, uh, uh you guys are doing a great job. I feel like Anthony and Rob, you guys are my friends, even though we never met. That's the exact thing we want to do with this show. Make you guys feel like you just came to hang with your friends for the night. I want to meet other people and just have interesting conversations. Tonight's conversation, I mean, if you guys didn't like this, I don't know what, what planet you guys were on. because Keith, Clearly, we're going to have to change the title. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> that stupid story tonight. It's like, but I Please, knew we Rob, going to. Change the thumbnail too, man. I've lost oh, like 30 pounds oh, since that since <laughs> Keith. Like I got rid of him. Like, you know. I forgot to tell you that, Rob. He, he texted me earlier. Oh no. Like, I was like, what like, is that? Like, I, I, I want to I want to pick that thumbnail. I'm like, I'm not in charge of thumbnails, I promise. <laughs> yeah, but you also didn't tell me that, Anthony. You should have told me. Yeah, I figured let him in I think that picture's probably still on my website. I need to I need to deal with it that is. myself. That's where I got it. Yeah. So so that's on me. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. Like I'm so I'm so the, the coolest thing about what we've done here is the different people we get to talk to. And it's like, I, it's, uh, man, please don't ever judge me from my Twitter. I'm so bad on Twitter. <laughs> well, dude, here, here's what I like about your Twitter, Anthony. You're you're hilarious because Twitter, Twitter is a space where people say bombastic things to get a reaction and to sort of like put their thumb in other people's eyes. Right. Yeah. But a- Anthony, sometimes, sometimes your tweets look like that, but <laughs> w- whenever, whenever somebody like pushes back on you, you always go like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which, nobody ever does that. <laughs> like, like, somebody- someone will be like, like Anthony will be like, he'll be like, you know what? Here's the deal, man. If you don't, if you don't spin around three times and jump up and down before you say grace, then you are a hellbound heretic. And if someone's like, I'm you, not sure if about you say that, a mung right. instead of amongst, you know, yeah, among yeah, versus among. Yeah, listen, because you, because there are actually people out there that say stuff like that and yes. mean it. Or if you cried at your child's birth, you're not a real man. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what made me like you a lot, Anthony. On there was because I'm like, okay. Is this guy like, you know, because when I first saw your tweet calling me, calling out the converts on the, on the one step, I always, I knew you were talking about me. I was like, I was like, cause I just made that video and I was like, the freak is this guy talking it. about? Like, like what? We, he, we can't talk about this anymore. It. You think everybody's already talked about it? You know, Hey, and you no, were like, yeah, I'll that was right, was, man. I was so jealous because our <laughs> channel was wallowing and just not doing anything. I'm like, these guys, they put a video about Sola Scriptura out and they got a hundred thousand views. And we're over here like killing ourselves. We got two hundred views, but it's. Just, I think at that point you you told me we sh- you I should just put that as the title for a. That was what it video. was. It was clickbait. I go I go just just put in the title the argument against Soul Scriptura you've never heard, and, and then it was just com- something completely different. <laughs> that was that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, even no. today, today somebody um somebody sent me a video of somebody actually. I sent you the video of making fun of me and Rob. They were playing a video of us making fun of us. And the guy, he's a set of a contest on Twitter. And he's, and he, and I'm like, and I kind of like the guy. He's like a nice, he's not, he's not one of those guys. Like he's a very nice guy. And when I saw the video, my first reaction was like, I was like, I'm like, I was mad about it. And I said something mean to him. Rob texts me, goes, dude, settle down. He was just kidding. I take, I, I sent the tweet right back to the guy. I go, I should have had a thicker skin, man. I'm really sorry I reacted like that. Like, I, like all we do is there's, make there's fun a of lot each of other. text from Rob behind those apologies. Yeah, you guys see on Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So Rob is the guy that's just like, like you know, reins him in a little bit. Everybody. Well, I well, have a very. A I'm very also the one on Twitter that then goes goes off on someone and doesn't apologize. So it's a little hypocritical of me. Rob, probably. Rob's funny though because Rob is. Okay, so Rob is the kind of guy who is so like easy to get along with, nothing ever bothers him, and then he'll have a melancholic dump, and I'm on eggshells, and I'm like, what did I say to piss him off? I don't even know what I did. I don't know what's going on. Right it, it, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just in a bad I always know, think everything's about me. I'm such a narcissist, right? It's like if somebody's upset, I'm like, what did I do? I said something wrong. It's like, <laughs> uh, Keith, this was such an awesome – I'm so glad I'm like getting to know you, man. I'm. We're going to talk in the, in the green room. I'm going to invite you to something. I got to stop mentioning on air because yeah. say it way too often on air but i want to invite you to something when we i'll, go I'll be there the man I, i've had a blast with you guys do we have um, a, a few minutes for questions yes we have to yeah, yeah, yeah we have to well i was asking keith not yeah you. i'm good man i'm good it's an hour okay. earlier for me here so so okay um All right, let's see because people did have questions i'm sorry um, and I, I apologize that for everybody that had to listen to 
if I run on too long, you guys have been troopers here. I'm surprised people. Dude, I honestly, you have first off, you're an amazing speaker, and you know how to tell a story. That's such a gift. Like to know how to. Oh man, you're making me blush, and, dude. Nah, man, it's, it's making me not gift. care that I'm short. <laughs> Listen, we all have to accept the gifts and the <laughs> and the and the tribulations God gives us, right? So, but I had such a great time listening to that. So, do not worry how long it went. All right, go ahead, Rob. Read away. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Where was the first one? Uh, so, what is the most compelling argument for Catholicism that moved you? And I, I imagine you'd probably say how people live their faith. Um, but what, what would be the, the argument that moved you the most? Yeah, from, maybe. from the argument standpoint, I would have to say it would be the uh, argument for the papacy, Matthew 16. I I have never heard, even my whole life, never did you heard. you see the typology in, you know, in Isaiah with Eliakim and all no, that? No, I didn't. I, that, that I figured out later. But yeah. just to me, it's just like the logical understanding of how Jesus passes down his authority to the church so that it can teach the, the faith accurately and you see him doing that with peter right there like to me that's that's the most compelling compelling argument uh for catholicism yeah. I, I i'm so grateful for the protestant converts because they they really taught me my like i'm not even kidding like my dream guest is scott Hahn because i feel like he's a spiritual father to me and, and i've never had a conversation with him i mean the things that i learned from that man i, I just i i'm hoping that i get the opportunity to have a conversation with him one day let me let me tell you something about about scott Hahn, okay because i did he did he came on my podcast i was like totally freaking out about talking to him right he was literally the nicest guy i've ever talked to. oh yeah he's so yeah. humble so gracious so incredibly um, accommodating and just he's full of joy. Like he is the real deal, man. And, and uh, yeah. I got to go meet him in Steubenville when we were traveling through on a rosary trip. And he he's an incredible guy. Yeah. I, I, I have such a deep love for him. I just hope I can finally get a way to get in touch with him and have him on. Um, and, and short Farrell saying, please have Keith back on. Keith's going to be a friend of the show guys. I, I promise you Keith will come back on. That's not going to be a problem. <laughs> he has no um, other choice at this point. No, no. I, I don't <laughs> let my guests just be one timers. Like <laughs> we develop friendships on this show and I hope that, I hope that people see that. So, uh, what else you got, Rob? So this one is is from someone who is an atheist or at least agnostic. He he says, "How do you reconcile faith and reason in Catholic theology?" How do you reconcile faith and reason? I I don't have to reconcile them. I think they're I think they're already reconciled. Like I feel like this this weird thing that we try to do where we try to pit faith against reason that assumes that faith is unreasonable. And I don't, I don't buy into that. To me, it's extremely reasonable because Jesus Christ existed. He rose from the dead. He proved who he was. We exist. We were, we're, we're not here by accident. God made us. Now, that's my view. I think that makes sense. So the bigger question is how, how, what does it look like for you? You know, how, I, I how do you view <clears throat> to the person asking the question? I would say, how do you view your faith and reason? Because you have to have faith too in whatever it is that you believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would also say, um, uh, where did that question go again? Bring that back up, Rob. I want to. Oh, I unstarted it. Give me a second. Okay. So I would also say try to come up with a Christian moral principle that you disagree with 
that doesn't have to do with the pelvic issues, that doesn't have anything to do with sex, like you find a Christian moral principle that you think, because I think a lot of people just assume these come from, uh, like that they're just naturally given to us. But even the idea that a, a, a moral principle is naturally right. given to us is something you have to really think about. So if you if you can come up with one that says like, like, do you disagree with treat others the way you want to be treated? Like the golden rule? Do you disagree with thou shalt not kill? Thou shalt like, where do these principles come from? So I, you have to really get to the moral law. Is there really a such thing as right and wrong? And it can't really come from evolution. It'd be a deeper conversation we'd have to have, but I'm glad that we have him. He's he's left comments in a previous video or two of yeah, ours. Yeah. And, which means he's sticking around and listening to some of these conversations, which is really, really awesome. And if we ever get a chance to have a conversation, I hope he would even come on. And just I, talk I will about say one more thing about that with, with regard to Catholicism specifically. There are so many miracles in the Catholic faith that, to me, you have to be taken seriously. I mean, you, you can't, if you're a person that's just like, I don't, I'm, I'm a naturalist, I don't believe in supernatural, I'm, I, you know, how do you deal with Eucharistic miracles? Oh, man. How do you deal with... Marian apparitions that have been witnessed by thousands and tens of thousands of people. How do you deal with incorruptibles? I mean, I know that there are some that people say are, but they really aren't. But there are also some that really are. I mean, <coughs> healings and all of these things that that have taken place in, in Catholicism that really defy the, the mindset that everything is just in the, you know, that the physical realm is all that there is. I mean, we're going to have a, a non-Catholic on in a, in a, what, a month, Anthony, to talk about Yeah, we're having out. Barry Schwartz on from uh, that the Shroud of, Re Shroud of Turn Research Project because they actually found a, a Freedom of Information Act. They filed a Freedom of Information Act with the British Museum of yeah. Natural History. And it turns out that the carbon dating test that they did is faulty. And he'll come on and he'll talk to us about that. Mm -hmm. Now, also, if you're uh, the person that asked that, if you're willing to read anything, I'm begging you to buy Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and read the first three chapters. That's it. Not the whole book, the first three chapters. And it goes into reason. And it goes into the natural law. And I promise you those arguments will intrigue you and make you think a little deeper. Another good book for that, too. And that's not a Catholic book. This one isn't either. But it'll same kind of vibe. It's very influenced by C.S. Lewis. Tim Keller's The Reason for God. Um, that That's a more kind of modern um, take on on mere Christianity for, for like a, a more 20th century, 21st century um audience but yeah i mean read those things they'll they'll, they'll the case for christ is another great one the case for christ was was very yeah. pivotal in my understanding my early on in my faith journey so we got any others rob yeah well we should probably go through them fast here yeah <laughs> um we didn't really touch uh on this but how does how has the the latin mass affected your faith well a latin mass affected my faith just from the standpoint of the experience of it has been has, has just hits me, you know, on a, on an emotional and on a experiential level. I just, I've, I've just, I love the, I feel like I'm immersed in the worship in, in that. And so to me, that's been, it's been very powerful. Now, at the same time, I would also say that I love, I have had awesome experiences at Novus Ordo masses too. So I'm not, I'm not a Latin mass or else you know, or, or nothing. Yeah, guy. We, we call mm -hmm. that, we call that no salvation outside the TLM. Like yeah, we're not, not the, those guys. Like I, if you don't have, guy, a, but yeah, I, I, I love me some TLM. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's something, there's something awesome also just about having access to a ritual that had been going on for thousands of years. Like you're being transported into the liturgy of our ancestors and of the people that step the, the shoulders that we stand on from the, our past. And there's something just on that level alone is just beautiful to go and see something that has been practiced for centuries and centuries. All right, we um, got next, Rob. So how did you overcome scrupulosity when you converted? Um, I, I think maybe this is one of my, one of my, um, holdouts from being a Protestant. I don't want to say, I don't know if that's the right word. Something that I carried with me. Cause there are some things that when you become Catholic, there are parts of who you are as a Protestant that stay, you know? Um, and I, I've always had, you know, I've always had this sense that God pours grace upon us in ways that go beyond our, um, that, that cover our failings. So to me, people are scrupulous when they're too focused on that. It's all about them, that it's all on them. If I have to do everything perfectly, if I mess up, then I'm in trouble. If like the God's just waiting for me to mess up. And I don't, I don't have that view of God. Um, so, and you could say that's from being a Protestant. I don't know. Um, I know some Protestants that are like that, but I, I feel like God knows my heart. And if my heart is, is pursuing God, then his grace is going to cover me in the areas that I, that I mess up, you know, um, because there are a lot. Plus I also take very, very seriously the authority of the church. And when a priest says to me, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit to me, I go, okay, I believe that. And I bring a lot of things before my priests, you know, and talk about if I'm having those issues and if they tell me I need to do something different, I do. I'm very, to me, it's, it's all about obedience and trust. And scrupulosity to me is more about fear and a lack of trust. So I think that if you want to overcome scrupulosity, you have to up your trust and you have to up your obedience. Um, and then you can, you can make some progress with that. But maybe you have to do some work on your own theological framework and, and, and understand how much you're loved by God. Maybe that would help too. But I never really, I didn't have like the whole, <clears throat> scrupulosity thing like from the standpoint of oh my gosh god's gonna destroy me if i don't do everything perfect i i know that i'm not gonna do everything perfectly and i know that that god's grace covers me in that because i also know that i'm really trying to seek him yeah yeah i don't, i i i understand a lot of a lot of people do struggle with scrupulosity i think that a lot of things just have to come down to just trusting God's mercy. I mean, God is so merciful. It's just, I mean, you're all still here. And I mean, every time, if you even still have a desire to go to mass and things like that, that means God's grace is still active in your life. And I, I would, you know, yeah, it's something, it's something you better was talking to a priest and three YouTubers about too. So <laughs> yeah. And I, I and other things I've had, I've had some incredible priests that have really helped me. You know, I think some people have bad scrupulosity because they've been, they have maybe been catechized or they have their experience has been like my wife struggled because she had a really bad experience when she was a little girl with in confession. Yeah. I've, I've never had a bad experience in confession. So, so like maybe that's part of it too. So I can't take credit for that. Um, God's just blessed me with, with good people. Yeah. The more you go to confession, the easier it gets, the more you put it off, the less you want to go guys. So, I mean, I would encourage monthly confession at minimum. Yeah. 
Monthly confession is such a great habit to get into. Once every four weeks, you just go. Even if you're not in mortal sin, it's good to just go. And because if you let these things build up and build up, you get a little desensitized, and then you don't want to go. And so, I got Robles. Okay, we have two more. Um, so this one is: Do you have any advice for converting mm. with a, a spouse that doesn't want to convert, or how do you? What advice would you give to convert a, a spouse? Yeah, that's tough. Um, my advice is this, be patient with your spouse because they're, they don't understand what you're doing and you have to be patient with them because they don't get where you are. So that's part one. Part two is you have to show them that your conversion to Catholicism has made you a better Christian, has made you more holy has made you more loving, has made you more kind, has made you a better version of who you were because eventually that's what's going to, to set the tone in your relationship. My, my wife didn't convert right away when I did, and I kept trying to give her arguments, and they were just – there was a brick wall there. Like, it just wasn't – no matter how much I tried to show her the logic behind my Catholicism, is just, just nothing was it. Women are not logical, guys. We have oh, to understand this. They can't drive, and they're not logical. I knew that was to, coming. I knew that was going to come out here one of these days. Yeah, yeah you've seen his Twitter. Keith, I have. You know. I have. Yeah, I think, I I think would, arguments – Arguments are only going to get you so far, you know, yeah. and I think you just have to, it depends on your, on your spouse. Like if you have a spouse who wants to have those arguments, then have them, Yeah. you know, but if your spouse is like, look, I'm sick of talking about this. I don't want to hear about this. Then stop. The, the worst thing you can do is shove it down their throats and make them watch stuff and make them read stuff and spam them with all the stuff and do like, we got to quit doing that. I would say. Prayer and fasting is so powerful, first off. And I mean, the little thing that I did was I was praying the rosary with my daughters, teaching my daughters to pray the rosary in Latin. And my wife would be in the kitchen doing dishes and she just overheard it. And something, just the beauty of what I was doing with my kids lit my wife's heart on fire. So I just had to just shut up. Like I, I, I kept trying to convince her and it was not getting anywhere. Yeah. But I just finally said, I'm going to shut up. God, this is on you. You convert hearts, not me. And I think it was, he was trying to teach me a lesson in that too. So that's so important. That's, yeah, yeah. What you, what you just said is perfect. So uh, what else we got was Keith affected by the very scandals in the church when converting And and maybe just in general, what, what advice do you have to, for Catholics struggling with some of the, the controversies in the church. Yeah, that's really hard. Um, the reason why that's hard for converts is because it, because their friends all are going to throw that in their face. Um, I, I didn't really struggle with that a whole lot because I, I'm used to scandals everywhere, you know, and that's, that's kind of the, the thing that we don't really recognize as Catholics oftentimes is there, there are scandals in every church, every denomination, every group. So it, so it's not like the Catholic Church has the corner on the market. The Catholic Church is probably better at having scandals than everybody else. But, um, And I think you know what I mean by saying that. But they're everywhere. Human beings are sinners. And it's unfortunate. And I'm not blowing it off as though it's not a big deal because it is. But the failures of human beings do not negate the truth of what the faith is. Yeah. And that's what you have to focus on. 
Um, first off, sure, Farrell, thank you so much. Like, you guys don't know how grateful we are when you guys do those little things for us. Like, it really is does mean a lot to us. Um, Keith, this was such a powerful show. Guys, I'm going to ask you guys all to share stuff like this because when you have a, a show that's uplifting and really can inspire people to, to – I mean, I think a show like this should inspire you to be – a little more courageous about discussing your faith with people at work, maybe things like that. You know, bringing people to Medjugorje. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Medjugorje promoters. And, 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 and of course, you guys can't forget, you know, all of your friends that are super in, interested in the trad counterculture of Europe right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can we explain the story behind that? So we had an article we were going to read about that. But I, when I messaged Keith, I said, Keith, we'll, we're going to play a goofy video or two, and then we'll talk about your conversion story, and then we'll get into that article. But Keith, your story was so powerful. Two hours later. Yeah, like, I'm not going to touch that story. We'll do that another night. I'm just. Yeah, I, I think from now on, it's just going to be to be decided with. That's so a good idea. <laughs> whatever we talked about. Insert whatever your own. We, yeah, so yeah. Rob will change your side chat with. Forgive us, guys. Guys, please share the show. Please hit like, subscribe, join our locals. We're doing Trent. Oh, so Saturday, Gavin Ashenden, which I'm really looking forward to because the last interview with Gavin Ashenden was literally like an action movie. This man told us about sneaking Bibles into Russia in the 80s. It was the craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, Tuesday is Trent Horn, and Thursday is the return of Catholic trivia. So that's our schedule this week. We're going to do some exciting things on locals. Keith, stay on. We're going to get out, and I want to I want to ask you to come to something when we get off into the green room. <laughs> okay. All Thanks, right. everybody. To go. Thanks, Thanks for everyone. coming on, Keith, so much, man. Well, hold on. Do we want to let Keith promote his stuff? Oh, yeah. That, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Guys, go check Keith Nestor's YouTube channel out, obviously. <laughs> but, Keith, what else you got? Well, I would just say this. I'm not, I'm not here to promote anything, but I would say this. If you have a question for me that we didn't get to answer tonight, you can you can uh, just send me an email if you want. My email address is Keith at down to earthministry.org and that's down the number two earthministry.org. So just email me um, if there were questions tonight that that you were like, dang it, we didn't get to ask that. Um, and I'll, I'll do my best to get to you. There you go right there. I'll do my best to get back to everybody. I I, I respond as best I can, as quickly as I can. So he also we, responds to YouTube comments, apparently, because I left a comment <laughs> on one of his channels that he responded to it. So, oh my gosh, if, yeah, we read. I, we Rob and I always read the YouTube comments because they're they're some of the most amazing comments you get. Like mm -hmm. whenever somebody leaves us like a, a touching comment, I'm just like, holy cow, man! People like, are getting something from. Yeah, the best moment of doing this so far was the comment uh, that 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 the person went back to confession after. Uh, I don't know. Beautiful decades, right? Yeah. He said, listening I mean, to us talk, it, it inspired him to go back to confession. It's like, if people are getting anything like nourishing from this, that's like, you couldn't ask for more. That's, if God that's why do we anything, do what we do, man. It's, it's, yeah, such, a, it's such an honor. So, all right, guys, thank okay. you so much for hanging. This is a long one tonight. It was good. Mm -hmm. We have a rule. If the, if the, if the episode is under an hour, the guest stinks. If it hits an hour and a half, we have a good guest. <laughs> this was a good one. <laughs> so, all right, Keith, okay. thank you so much. Man. Thank you guys. Night, everyone. Thank you.